What's up, y'all? This is John and Wes back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. And as we all know, this is the week that so many of us have been looking forward to since, I mean, really since probably week three, in all honesty. Um, It's Tennessee week. We've got a very special guest with us tonight. Dave Hooker from Off the Hook Sports is joining us to help talk some Tennessee football before this top two matchup between the hedges. Um, Dave, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners, uh, we're ready. Sure. Yeah, I'm Dave. You can uh, check out Tennessee stuff on offthehooksports.com. I could, uh, it's, um, we are a hundred percent advertising based. What does that mean to potential consumers? It means free. So, um, while you mostly have to pay subscription, uh, rates at other places, not, not, not here, not at offthooksports.com. So that's what we do. And we love for people to check it out. So people are welcome to stop by any time. Cool. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, I, in that text I sent you, I got your, I got your information from Connor, but I, I did listen to a lot of your stuff before I reached out and well, I Tennessee tell you that, or not, I, it's quality. I, I just, I appreciate that. I'm going to tell you that Connor's a shady character. <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong with that guy. Probably his upbringing. No, he's a fine man. <laughs> Something about being a Bears fan just makes everybody weird. I didn't. I didn't know he was a Bears fan. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I wasn't. Either oh yeah, he's now. he's a uh, he's from Chicago. He's a big all really all Chicago sports. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, Connor's a good dude. Um, before we get started, uh, what are y'all drinking tonight? Dave, I'll let you start. I'm going. Um, I think this is Kool Aid. No, <laughs> oh, you know what this is? This is uh, that red tea that they uh, have at Starbucks. That actually, I don't know why it's called tea because it doesn't have caffeine. But you do brew it, and it's red, and it's expensive at Starbucks. So my wife found it so that it would be cheaper, so she brews it at home. So instead of paying six dollars for a cup um i get one of these yeah it's smart yeah so um just got back trick-or-treating uh parents were handing out shots um you know while solid move, solid move. so you know a couple jello shots like some maker's mart right now i'm on my second bud light so i'm feeling good nice uh <laughs> I, I don't live in that sort of neighborhood i live out in the woods so i'd say <laughs> If any kid actually walked up my driveway, that's uh, a brave young man or <laughs> female. So, um, yeah, we don't get trick-or-treaters, which is weird. Um, and aren't you a little bit too old to be trick-or-treating? How old are you? I got two kids. It's okay. Oh, okay. You've got <laughs> kids. Okay. How, how, old, how old are your kids? Uh, son's three. My daughter's seven. So they're, they're, they're old enough to go trick-or-treating. <laughs> uh, I got you. Uh, that's perfect age, yeah. Exactly. It's fun too. It's fun watching. What, what did they dress up as? Uh, my daughter was a devil, and my son was a blue ninja. So, oh, cool. Blue yeah. ninja. I can go with that. Right. <laughs> it's probably a good thing to be a ninja with where you're at. It's probably already snowing. I see you got your beanie on, dude. It is warm today. It is warm, like thirty-five. Uh, I don't. Babe, this one like the fifties. Yeah, it's like in the fifties right now. Fifty-five. Yeah, it's 55. We're good. <laughs> um, just a little bit of comparison. Uh, Dave, I live 
across the street from my house is the intercoastal waterway down in savannah oh, yeah. um and it was 68 when i left the house this morning and i put a sweatshirt on yeah well right across my street is canada so <laughs> where do where do you live i'm in uh, upstate new york probably about 30 minutes south of um or north of syracuse I got you. So when people ask you, where do you live? And you say New York, they say, what's Manhattan like? Because everybody <laughs> thinks that New York City is the only place in New York State. There are other places. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. And how just far, about the entire. Go ahead. How far are you from Manhattan? Just for the record. Two hours, just about. Okay. I no, it's got to be more than that. If things keep going the way they they're going for the balls, I may need a place to stay for the Heisman ceremony. So <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> um, but I am back on this ASW fiddler. I actually I have one glass left in this bottle here, and the people that have listened to us for a long time know I'm big into whiskey. Like I after our trip to Austin last two weeks ago. Um, I'm probably up to like 90 different bottles of whiskey right now. Um, but if you want something even introductory, ASW Fiddler, phenomenal bourbon. You can get right into it starting out. They've got the soloist. That's 100 proof when you get further into it. They do single barrels all the time of really good stuff. And then if you're a Georgia sports fan, uh, they did the national championship bottle last year. Um, they did the World Series bottle, which was really cool. They've got uh, – they charged some maple baseball bats and aged the bourbon with the maple baseball bats after that. So Wow, that is super cool. And everybody in the front office is UGA alumni. Um, great, great people up there. And if you're listening and have not gone to the giveaway, last month is over. We have one starting in November. I don't know what we're giving away yet, but we are doing another giveaway. So check out our Instagram for that, and we'll go over all those details towards the end. You already get started? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. So normally this is kind of like our generic uh, preliminary statement, but I don't, I don't know how applicable it is for Tennessee because, honestly, most of the media talks about only the good stuff. But – that's what we want to hear. We hear from the Georgia side of things all the time about how every team's terrible and everybody's going to get beat and all that good stuff. So we want to hear mostly positive tonight. Um, there are going to be a couple questions about some weaknesses and that sort of thing, but mostly positive. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll, I pride myself in being objective for the, uh, during my career. I mean, this, this, if you want to hear positive that you got me at the right time, because it's really hard <laughs> to find, much wrong with Tennessee at this point. I mean, everything's going well. Um, even the baseball team was doing remarkably well. But, <laughs> of course, we're here to talk football. So, yeah, it, uh, Tennessee is um, having one of those you know, once-in-a-generation type of seasons. Um, you think um, we'll see what happens in Athens. Certainly things uh, could hit a bump in the road. But at this point, to be even in the – conversation of being a Heisman Trophy winner and Hendon Hooker at quarterback a college football playoff is is pretty bizarro if you think about it because uh, the, uh, the over-under was seven and a half 
to begin the season, seven and a half wins. We we forget that now wow. because because of what they've done. I mean, they beat Alabama and Florida, who dominated them. So there there were three bets that I really liked in the beginning of the year, and I'm not a big gambler, but uh, it was seven and a half Tennessee. I love the over. It was uh, ten and a half Alabama. I love the over. And it was Auburn at six and a half. I loved the under. I didn't know that uh, Brian Harson would make it six and a half games. Turns out he did just barely. Barely. Yeah. And so I um no, I, I mean, I, I, I thought Tennessee would be better than most people thought. Did I have them anywhere close to 10 wins? No, I thought the, the ceiling was at nine. So unless something crazy happens, they're going to surpass that. And um. Yeah, it's 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 a little out of left field. I mean, it's I think they stumble. Everybody's going to tell you that their head coach was their first choice, and in George's case, I'm told that obviously Kirby Smart was their first choice, and it, that that's the case. Um, but most of the time, it's not. Most of the time, somebody told you no, and you went to somebody else, and then you had the press conference that this is my first choice all along. Josh Heupel was not Tennessee's first choice. But they stumbled into him, and it turns out, I, I mean, guys, I've covered a lot of games where Steve Spurrier was a coach. I'm old. Um, he, he feels like kind of the second coming of Steve Spurrier from an offensive standpoint, which is pretty crazy, pretty crazy stuff to think about. Yeah. So, talking about the talking about this off, offense and Josh Heupel, do you think what's happening this year is just lightning in the bottle, or do you think that Heupel can continue this? offense of this explosion he's had this season like to continue i'll say not lightning in a bottle but i think everybody gets caught up to eventually so yeah. i mean he's going two three years i think is, is very reasonable and then at some point he'll have to adjust yeah so he he said when he got fired at oklahoma he was the offensive coordinator he's told people that that was one of the best things that happened to him and why because he didn't go the Mike Leach route. If you want, if you look at Mike Leach's offense, there's a glass ceiling there. They run what they run. They're going. To, that's what they're going to run. They're not going to adapt. And uh, Josh Heupel was forced to adapt from that type of offense and do some different things. And um, I think it's made him a, a really, really solid coach. I think he would continue to adapt. But um, you know, even even Steve Spurrier, towards the end of his career, I referenced. He he got a little bit figured out too, yeah. and uh, so did so did the triple option before my, even my time. I mean, everything gets a little figured out at some point, but no, I think he's on. I think he's on the front end of something special for sure. Yeah. So, kind of starting from the ground up, there. What is uh, what's the state of recruiting under Josh Heupel? Well, that that's that's an interesting question because. Here's what it was a month ago, let's say before the Florida and Alabama win. It was go out and find the kid that you think you can develop and develop him and see if he can turn into something. Offer him early, recruit him early, because if Alabama and Georgia comes calling, you're going to lose. So you have to endear yourself to that young man early. And now I think the script is changing a little bit. And again, I'm going to go sound really old here, but uh, Jamal Lewis, Deion Grant, Cozy Coleman, I don't know if you know those names from the 90s, but there was a point where Tennessee took those three guys out of the Atlanta area and Georgia wanted them. 
And that kind of flipped the script. And those guys led Tennessee to a national championship. Can Josh Heupel do that? Man, that's that's almost tougher than winning 10 games, okay? Because I think Kirby Smart is an incredible recruiter. Um, I think that the kids are pretty loyal there. But as far as recruiting now, Tennessee's good. But to compete with um, you know, Alabama and Auburn – excuse me, Alabama and Georgia – as far as recruiting, I mean, that's that's a challenge because you're talking about being one of the top three classes year in and year out. So we'll see if he can do that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the way that Hypel is bringing in players, bringing, you know, the offense. If I was an offensive player, like 100%, I would be looking at Tennessee tonight. Well, I, think that's, I think that's a great point. That and the other thing I, I would say about what they're doing is they have changed the culture. Now, yeah. everybody says that, okay? Everybody, every coach comes in and says, hey, I'm going to change the culture. What the hell does that mean? I mean, I don't know what that even means. I mean, you know, so I guess Kirby Smart, again, was kind of the exception of the rule. They already had a good culture with Mark Rick. I mean, the players genuinely liked each other from the people I talked to that covered Georgia at the time. So he didn't really have to change the culture. He had to go get the what I call the war daddies, the big guys up front. And he said that at his opening press conference. But Tennessee was a hot mess. I mean, they they had 40 players leave and transfer at one point. They had NCAA issues uh, with the McDonald's bag that <laughs> I think you may have one of those. I mean, they were an absolute fiasco. So he has changed the culture. It is noticeable that the players really seem to like each other, that they get better in weeks that are either a bye week or UT Martin, which is the semi-bye. I mean, I can't, I mean, I can't state it enough. And again, if if you if you Google me, you're gonna find a lot of people that don't like me because I said things about Philip Fulmer that they didn't appreciate at the time. Hold but on. yeah, I was considered the cynic. So, I mean, that's just to give you a little bit of background. But, I mean, it's really hard to find anything not to like about this, this football team, this football program right now. If you want to look at this coaching staff, I think they've made two mistakes. One, they started Joe Milton instead of Hendon Hooker last year. That was obviously a mistake. Uh, two, uh, they didn't get Danico Slaughter, who had a great game last week against Kentucky. They didn't get him in the lineup fast enough. Other than that, guys, it's hard to find major mistakes. And uh, considering what he inherited, that's I think it's been pretty impressive for Josh Hopple to pull that off. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, you go back to um, people that just had on-field antics like uh, Guarantano from a few years ago, and now you've got Hendon Hooker who's legitimately leading the Heisman race, and he's just quiet and respectful and does his job and doesn't brag and – just puts his head down and goes to work. And that just in the span of what, three seasons, the entire program is essentially turned around. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. So I was at SEC media days and the, the players haven't figured this out yet with the NIL, but they will. So what you ought to do is you ought to take your product that you're shilling and you ought to take it from radio station to radio station and tell them, I'm not going to do your show unless I get to mention this. Okay. So only one player did that, and it was Hendon Hooker. And you know what the product was? It was a comic book about scripture. 
that he produced about himself about how scripture can help you in life and football. Biblical scripture. I mean, wow. that, is, that is about as commendable or boring or whatever, depending on where your belief system is, as you can be. And uh, yeah, I mean, as far as chemistry wise, yeah, he's, they have that. He is so boring at press conferences sometimes. It's brutal. <laughs> um, but I do believe his, you know, his, his heart's in the right place. I'm not trying to get preachy on you at all, but that okay. is, that, that is definitely what they project. And I, I, I do believe, you know, I've got a couple of players that do podcasts with me uh, and NIL deals. And, um, you know, I've talked to them before and after we record. And uh, it really seems like a genuine good, good group of guys. I'm not saying that Georgia fans shouldn't root against them. They should. That's what the SEC is <laughs> all about. You should scream and yell and hope they lose 50 to zero. I'm just telling you, in all my years of covering Football, it's it's a it's a very unusual group in a good way. What I've said, and I think I've said it on the show before, my thing is I can like the person and hate the player. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. I, I, and that's just, I mean, even about some coaches, because like Shane Beamer, he coaches one of the teams in the SEC that I hate the most, but he seems like a genuinely good guy. And I can't hate him, but I can damn sure hate South Carolina. <laughs> well, you you won't have to worry about him much longer. He's way out of his league. I wouldn't stress over that. But um, you know, Shane is um, Shane's doing his best to be relevant in South Carolina, and that's a challenge. I mean, there there are the haves and there are the have-nots, and when they change, you guys let me know. So the, <laughs> the, the, the programs that can win championships at a high level in the SEC or what? I mean, count them almost on one hand: Alabama, Georgia. Tennessee has proven that. Um, Florida, Auburn kind of, sort of. Um, LSU certainly can. I'm not counting Texas and Oklahoma quite yet. Um, but that's pretty much it. After that, there's a significant fall-off. You look at South Carolina's facilities and you look at Georgia's facilities, there's there's no comparison. I mean, there's not been to re more recruiting camps that I can count. I mean, it's just not the same. And so there's a glass ceiling there. So I wouldn't worry about Shane for much longer. But he's a good dude. He is a good dude. He was a GA at Tennessee when we were both younger men. He's a good dude, but it's not going to happen there for him. So back to Tennessee. Um, <laughs> sometimes I like a filter. So sometimes I like it. I oh. mean, that's, that's, I mean, again, I, I think that. Georgia and Tennessee should always root against South Carolina because then you can recruit in the Carolinas better. Yep. Mm -hmm. in, in 1998, Tennessee's entire starting defensive line was from South Carolina. Dang. So, and that's when they won a national championship. So <laughs> even more than Tennessee, you guys should probably root against South Carolina. <laughs> I mean, last year, Georgia had two inside linebackers get drafted, one from Columbia and the other from another part of South Carolina. Yeah. Have you been to Columbia? I used to live there. Who oh, wants yeah. to go to Columbia? Nobody. I mean, other than mustard barbecue sauce, what does Columbia have? That's about it. And that is delicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big mustard-based sauce guy. Huge. It's fantastic. <laughs> Mayonnaise? I'm not going there, though. No. No. Best thing that comes out of Alabama is I-20. 
was very good. <laughs> uh, so if you had to pick one strength of this Tennessee team this season, what would it be? I mean, that has to be Josh Hotbull. Or do you want specifically like a group or a player or? It's open-ended. Um, I mean, you can you can take this question, really any of the questions, however you want to. Uh, definitely Josh Heupel. I mean, they're, you know, Tony Romo probably got him a pretty significant raise on Sunday when he said, I bet four or five people during an NFL broadcast, I bet four or five teams will come after Josh Heupel. Um, that's, that's what Tony Romo said. And he didn't say that by accident. He heard somebody say that. So yes, I mean, it, it could go to Bedlam again in Knoxville as it's been for the past 12 years. <laughs> if, if Josh Heupel goes to the NFL, I mean, you saw what Lane Kiffin did when he left, that was a decade of dysfunction and, um, it, it was just brutal. So yes, if Josh Heupel goes to the NFL, it could go right back there in heartbeat. I don't – I could be wrong, but I don't see Hypo leaving that program anytime soon, at least on his own will. I'll, but. Um, well, an NFL job's interesting because I do know a couple of different coaches, and they all – they may say they're okay with it, but they all hate NIL, and they yeah. hate the transfer rules, and they're now having to work way harder than they ever had to work. So I, I, I've got a friend who's a consultant to several schools, and he said that the number of, of coaches that came to him to try to get an NFL job uh, once the NIL, if you take the cyclical year, yeah. um, went up 60% that wanted to get out of college and go to the NFL. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of coaches that are looking to get out of college because of NIL and because of the transfer rules. So... I don't, I don't, he hasn't shown me any sign of leaving, but it's, uh, he's more likely to go th there than Oklahoma where he was fired, but he was, yeah. you know, he was a, a, you know, he was a fantastic player there, but I, if Tennessee fans are more worried about Oklahoma, I think you should be more worried about the NFL, but I, I have no reason to believe he's leaving at this point. I'm sure, I'm sure one of those coaches was a good old Dabo who's straight up said, I hate, I'm not taking anybody out of the transfer portal, so. Yeah, that was just stupid. <laughs> I mean, there, if there you... are very few people that, if given the opportunity, will put their foot in their mouth. <laughs> but Davo Sweeney, if there's a microphone in front of him, chances are he's going to say at least one thing that's dumb. <laughs> at least Yeah, the, well, and he's the one that said he hated the NIL, too. Yeah. And, you know, I... I even if you believe that, I don't know why you say it. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's just they had a movie in production with Disney about Clemson football before NIL passed. And then he said he hated NIL. It's a good movie. Oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't know that. So what's the movie? It's, hey, about, it's about a player that – Dumb and uh, – oh, I know what it is. Dumb and yeah. Dumber? <laughs> <sighs> no, they. It was a player that um, what took in his little sister while he was in college. Yeah, his and, brother. Yeah, little brother while he was in college and that kind of thing. But there's clips and stuff all over the entire movie, and it, you obviously got a kickback from that. And now you're upset that players can make money. It's oh, okay, all right. I, I see what you're saying. Now. Yeah, no, that that's not a good look. No. 
No. Um, and the fact that I say what what else isn't a good look? Saying that you don't like nil money and you make eight million dollars a year and can leave at any time. <laughs> yep. That's mm -hmm. not a good look. It, even if you believe it. Don't say that. It. And all the guys, right. I mean, all the coaches hate it. They all hate it. Kirby Smart hates it. I can oh, yeah. promise you that. I can oh. promise you Josh Heupel hates it. Every assistant when, coach they have hate it, but you don't say it. No. No. When when NIL and transfer portal became major news in college football and commonplace, you started having to recruit players from freshman year of high school to the end of their senior year of college every day. Because, yes. I mean, last year, Darnell Washington was thinking about entering the transfer portal. You see how big of a piece of the offense he is this year. Like, they had to recruit him between his sophomore and junior season to stay with the program. Same with Amarius Mims. He's starting offensive lineman. Yeah, and, yeah, I, I think those two things will be what eventually is the last straw for Nick Saban, who I always thought would coach in, until the day that he killed over. And by the way, happy birthday, Nick yeah. Saban, who turns yes. 71 today. Happy birthday. And um, I, I I do think that that will be what is the last straw where he says, oh, man, this is ridiculous. Now, he if not for Jameer Gibbs, then that Alabama skill position group isn't very good. So he did bring in a transfer portal guy. But um, – yeah, at the, at the end of the day, he wants to do this collective thing, which which sounds fantastic, that every player gets what they deserve and every player gets a piece of the pop. But I'm sorry. The backup long snapper is not worth what the starting quarterback is. No. This is not. And so I, I don't I, – I, you know, Tennessee – for better or for worse, and it may not be the, the moral, ethical thing to do, but the, they're they're doling out players to the – maybe even some prospects, which they're not supposed to be doing, but they're doling out players to, to the players who deserve it. And you know what's funny about that, not to get sidetracked, and another shameless plug, uh, interviews with Cooper Mays. Yeah, you know the Mays guys. Um, but interviews <laughs> with, interviews with uh, Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren Weekly on Off the Hook Sports. But you know what's funny about that whole situation is I've asked them, do you guys care that Hendon Hooker and the Cedric Tillmans of the world are going to get more money? And they're like, no. <laughs> they're, they're, he's the quarterback. He's the star receiver. I'm the center and the tight end, respectively. So, <laughs> I mean, they're cool with it. They're more mature about it than I think uh, some people that are uh, named Nick Saban, to be real honest with you. They're more mature than I would be if I was put in that position today, if I'm being 100 percent honest. Well, I mean, if I mean, if you, well, I mean, but if you look at it like this, okay, so if there's no nil, you're getting McDonald's bags of money from Bullethead Jeremy <laughs> Bullethead Jeremy Pruitt, okay? So if there is nil, at least you're getting something. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what I pay the players, but it's something. Yeah. I couldn't afford Hendon Hooker. <laughs> the, I mean, the no. market, and that was before he was a real Heisman candidate. So the market bears itself out, which I think is what America's all about. Yeah. Yeah. So they understand it. They get something out of the deal. I mean, it seems to work out for me. It's, it's worked out for us. I highly <laughs> recommend paying players. <laughs> 
that's it sounds, um doesn't it sound that, weird to say that still though it's not really, <laughs> right? yes absolutely yeah like i can i pay players and by gosh i love it because <laughs> because the last thing i want to do is sit in a press conference with a bunch of people that are trying to get in two or three questions at a time because you only get nine minutes with a specific player and what kind of quotes come out of that absolutely nothing so and every school runs it the same sorry slight tangent no i and nil is something that i actually uh off air i want to i want to ask you a few questions about because that's something that i've been considering here lately is uh trying to talk to at least one or two guys um but back to the game this weekend we we're big tangent people so it, it's this is normal for our audience yeah, there is a game <laughs> there is a um game. so you might have to dig deep on this one but this team's okay. biggest weakness like what is something that teams mm -hmm. can exploit if they have the ability well, I think their biggest weakness still has to be the secondary, even though they played really well against Kentucky. So um, that was a step in the right direction for Tennessee's secondary. But if you pick the biggest weakness, that still has to be it. I thought going into the season, it'd be offensive line, which has been very good. Uh, surprisingly, they, they flip-flopped their tackles. They moved Arnell right from left tackle to right tackle, which surprised me. He had a good year last year, but turns out that's worked. Um, they have now three tackles with, with good feet, and you have to have that because they don't get a lot of tight end help. So the offensive line crossed that off the list as of September of being any sort of concern, which I thought it would in August. And then the secondary, maybe you cross that off the list, but I don't think there's enough of a track record looking at what we've seen to say that, hey, you know, this is – this is even above average. We'll, we'll see. I mean, they 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 gave up yardage wise 100 and I think they're 120 or something uh, per game in the in the nation. They were 120th. Um, now a lot of that's because they get pressure put on them because other teams have to throw. But in terms of passing yardage, they've given up a ton. They're not as bad as the stats would indicate. But last week they actually looked good. So that that was very. That was kind of out of left field. So, but still, if you had to pick one area, it's definitely the secondary. And that, and that, I mean, that leads right into the next question. For most of the season, really up until last week, it's been polar opposite in the play level between the front seven, who's, I think, their top 20 in rush defense. Um, mm -hmm. And then going into the game last week, the secondary was 130th out of 131 teams as far as total passing yardage. Um, right. But they, they turned that around this past week. What do you think made that change? Well, I think they should have played Danico Slaughter sooner. Okay, that, you know, and that's obvious now, but, you know, practices are closed, so nobody was saying that before Saturday. I mean, used to be practices were open, and people like me would make those sorts of judgments and calls and be right or wrong, just like the coaches. But I, I think that, um, the I, I think Tim Banks as the defensive coordinator is incredibly underrated. And you look at those defensive stats, and you're like, Dave, what are you talking about? But you have to remember this offense puts them in a bad position every single game for 60 <laughs> minutes because they run tempo. 
tempo, tempo. They're the, they run more plays. They're the fastest team in college football. So they run tempo so much that the defense has its back against the wall a lot. And I think Tim Banks comes up with creative stunts, blitz, uh, twist packages each and every week. I think that's one. So I'll give it three factors. I think we had them a little underrated from the get. I think they're a little bit better athletically than we thought. Two, I will say the Tim Banks defensive uh, coaching is huge. Um, and then three, I'll give the kids a lot of credit. Again, guys, I, I, you know, you're not around these these types of teams a lot. You guys were last last year, where the kids had they're driven and they play with their hair on fire the entire 60 minutes. That is something that usually happens three or four times in a season. With Tennessee, it's it's happened every week. I think they play incredibly hard, um, and not everybody does all the time. So I would say those three things. Yeah, and you can definitely tell that after the Alabama game, the, the defense, secondary especially, has started to improve. And I think a lot of that goes into you see a light at the end of the tunnel right now. And for Tennessee, it's extremely bright if they can get there. And motivation is huge when it comes to – I mean, you see it typically every year after Florida – or at least over the last five or six years, that Florida loses to Georgia and disintegrates and loses to Missouri and South Carolina and – I mean, motivation, I, in my opinion, obviously I'm not as close to the team as you are, but I think that has a huge factor in the improvement. Sure. I mean, th there there was there are moments of belief, okay, where you have to believe that there is a reason that you, you go out there and bust your rear in practice every single day, and you have spring football when a game's still five months away, and you have um, – practices in the heat of August. There are belief moments. So I'll give you a couple. Kentucky last year, that was a shootout. That was a belief moment where Tennessee's players, and that was the first one, said, hey, this Hopple guy might be onto something. Uh, a belief moment for the defense came against uh, Pitt when they played incredibly well and were able to win a really tight game at the end with their defense, not their offense. Um, and then I, I think there was another moment that was significant, maybe not a belief moment, but it was that the, the coaching staff and the players realized they had to play a full 60 minutes because they almost let the Florida game slip away and they controlled that game throughout. And I think all that led to Alabama, that they believed they could go out there and win. And that's, um, you know, that's, that's a huge monster step. You, you guys are, probably more familiar with it uh, than me, but I'm sure uh, to Georgia, when Kirby's rebuilding that thing, there were a couple of games that they went from hope to believe, and that's a big step. Yeah. So, yeah. No, absolutely. So talk, talking about that Bama game, and, you know, that being a belief step, do you think that – obviously, I don't think it showed, but Tennessee put all their eggs in the Alabama basket. Like, if we beat Alabama, this is where we want to be this season. Or do you think that, like – since they beat Alabama, like, okay, cool, that next stepping stone, or do you think they're just kind of, like, stuck at beating Alabama? That makes See, sense. I, I think the the belief moment happened before Alabama, actually. Now, maybe you, maybe there was still some doubt in the back of your mind. I mean, if, you know, if I guess you could go out and get in a fight with somebody and be beating them and still kind of worried about getting your rear kicked. I mean, that's possible. But 
I, I think that the I think the belief was already there. And I think that's what's really surprised me because all players and I started my NIL interviews um, in March. So, yeah, they said the whole time that they believe and this is, you know, a tight group. But what are they supposed to say? Yeah. So I do believe they went into that Alabama game and had they lost that, they still would believe they could go to Georgia and win. I don't think that was an all or nothing type of game. And if you remember, there was a scoop and score fumble at the end where Alabama, towards the end where Alabama took the lead and they overcame that. Yeah. So I think that tells you that they still believed. So no, I, I, they very well could lose to Georgia. Of course. I mean, Georgia's double digit favorite, but I think they would believe was that. So that's crazy to me. Like, that were double-digit favorites. Well, it's yeah. it's dropped four points in 24 hours. It's eight and a half right now. Oh, is it down to eight and a half? Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, um, I, I, again, do not gamble. So I'm not going to give any sort of advice. But I, I will say this. I believe firmly that Tennessee will not lay down in any shape, form, or fashion because Georgia is the – probably the more talented team um, from top to bottom. I don't think there's any question about that. I don't think that – I don't think that'll happen. Now, could they come out there and, you know, have exchange issues like they had on that Alabama fumble? Could that happen three times and they end up losing by 10-plus? Yeah. I mean, that that's called football. But I don't think it's – I don't think they're going to come out there and lay down. I don't think they'll make a bunch of mistakes, but I feel pretty certain about the first part. The latter, you never know. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, what about uh, what about uh, uh, Georgia um, this year? What do you all think? Because I, I, you know, you get so kind of zoned in on one team. I got to be honest. I, to me, and from some of the people I talk to, it seems like a, there there are a bunch of dudes that think they're really like uber talented, and they are. But they feel like they can turn the switch on and off. Am I wrong? No, I, I don't I definitely see that. Go ahead, Wes. I, I can definitely see that, especially with the way our receivers have been playing this year. It's literally been a roller coaster with, with our receiving core. You know, whether they're healthy or can just catch the ball in general, it, it's literally been a roller coaster. So it's, it's definitely a switch. And it's honestly. I could be seeing it the wrong way. It depends on who we're playing, too. Because if you look at the Power 5 games we've played, it's been just dominance, 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 except the Missouri game. We had that same – or not Sanford, a Kent State game where we – that was a 60-minute fight. We had the Missouri game, which was a 60-minute fight. So, it's weird that, like, to say it, but it's like they play down to their opponents if they're a lesser opponent. At least that's what I've seen this season. Yeah. Well, you guys should have uh, Mike Griffith on at some point. We're tr- we're trying. I've, I've actually been in contact with him. Oh, I, do you got a cell number? I'll send you. A I cell do. Number. I actually do. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell him to be. I'll go ahead and text him right now. He, <laughs> he really likes to hear himself talk, so I'm surprised he hasn't <laughs> agreed to it already. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, my opinion on this Georgia team, and I. I, you know, I said it week two after I was upset at a 33-0 win against Samford. Like, I, I'm spoiled. I 100% understand that. As a Georgia fan the last few seasons, I am absolutely spoiled. But what drives me nuts, last weekend in particular, 
Georgia receivers dropped two touchdowns. Like, Ladd McConkey, wide open at the five-yard line, I believe it was, dropped a touchdown. <laughs> Darnell Washington dropped a touchdown. So, I mean, that game could have been significantly more out of hand, but it seems like – I almost feel like some of the guys have been looking ahead mentally and almost like, oh, well, everybody says our season's easy. We'll just roll on to the SEC championship game. And obviously that's proved to not be the case this season. Um but it just... See, that's it. See, that's exactly what I was referring to. So, again, you guys are younger than me. So, the, there is something innate about a football team that is – you can run all the stats and you can do all that that you want, okay? So, the 98 National Championship Tennessee team was without Peyton Manning, who graduated the year before. Maybe you've heard of him. He played in the NFL for a while. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. So, they were without him. So they were supposed to be down. And then everybody came back for the 99 team. They should have been better, right? They should have repeated. I mean, everybody came back. And they didn't because they had a championship in their pocket. And they ended up falling woefully short and getting hammered in a Fiesta Bowl really, really badly. So when 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 you look at this Georgia team, you, we can stack up four and five stars and everything, but you guys would know this better than me. Do they have that that inner drive to be great, not on Saturdays against Tennessee, but on August the 15th when it's 110 degrees in Athens and you got to practice, on uh, Wednesday before Samford, and they want to get better, but it's not going to show up on the scoreboard. I mean, that's what ultimately will determine – uh, Georgia's fate because I think if you go top to bottom, they're probably the most talented roster in the nation. And yeah. it so I did a giant stat deep dive. Um, and Georgia is essentially in the top 10 in a, every major statistical category offense and defense. But there's so many plays left on the board that it drives fans like me nuts. Mm-hmm. Like dropping wide open touchdowns. It, it, we've got guards that come off the ball, look around, and then somebody runs right past them and gets Stetson. And I just – I don't know. I think the drive to win a championship is there. I don't know if the drive that it's going to take to win these next three or four games is there. I mean, based on what I've seen from afar, it's not. Yeah. I mean, they, they, there have been there have been too many lapses in, at times that I don't I don't think it is, but they could be talented enough to overcome that. Okay. I mean, that, and, that could be a factor. And as far I mean, defensively, they're statistically they're an elite defense. They're starting two new defensive linemen, two new inside linebackers and a brand-new safety, a brand-new star player, and a brand-new corner. So statistically, they're elite, but a lot of that comes from Christopher Smith coming and hitting a guy from the safety position when the corner misses the coverage, or Nolan Smith coming around the edge when he was on the opposite side of the play and make a tackle for one or two yards on a run play that the other guy missed. And it's it's a lot of veterans making up for young guy mistakes, in my opinion. Obviously, there's a lot of more. There's a lot more people that have forgotten more about football than I'll ever know, but that's what it seems like to me. 
What are you hearing about Nolan Smith there? Question. Is he going to play? Is he going to play? Well, Kirby essentially said the same thing about Nolan Smith today as he said about Jalen Carter last week, and Jalen Carter played against Florida. But he's also said that same thing about A.D. Mitchell for the last two games who hasn't played but, like, two snaps maybe. Since South Carolina, yeah. Yeah, I'm not no, gonna, I don't – I'm not going to say he won't play, but he's very doubtful at this point as of yeah. the recording of this. I mean, I can tell you from inside yeah, George's camp. That yeah. That's what Kirby's put out. But then, like I said, he also said Jalen Carter was doubtful against Florida and he played, I well, say, I mean, but 30% yeah. of the snaps. Yeah, but coaches lie. <laughs> but um, coaches lie Yeah, that's what, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, but no, this is but but no, this is coming from inside their camp. What they really believe. This is not him standing at a uh, podium. So I, I'm told he's very doubtful at this point. Um, but that's yeah. very concerning. Um, yeah, and and that that is the thing. I mean, again, the tumblers just continue to align for for Tennessee, and uh, I think you guys can tell at this point. I'm I'm not a homer, um, but. <laughs> Um, they do, you know, they beat Florida and what do they have? They have an off week. That's exactly what they needed. If they'd have played Missouri the next week, maybe they stumble and lose, you know, and then, so they beat Alabama and then they have the next week, UT Martin, you know? So, I mean, if you look and, and now they're healthier than they've been all season, Cedric Tillman's back from the biggest game of the year. I mean, it is bizarre. I, I know I sound like a complete homer here. But it is bizarro how everything is falling into Tennessee's place. And yeah. maybe the fan base deserves it after what they've been through with the Duke. <laughs> they've had it. Part of the fan coach. base. Part of the fan yeah, base. Yeah. I yeah. And you had referenced that earlier. So you've had a you've had uh, a little bit of a skirmish with some some fans here? <laughs> two two specific people, and I don't I don't want to air out dirty laundry on a podcast, but it's some things were said to us that you, that those people can't take back, and we probably won't ever talk to them again. Wow, these wow are these like personal friends or? Well, we've known each other for years entirely through the internet, and like legitimately become friends. And then yeah. they've said some things that can't be taken back. About football or about you personally? No, about us personally. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because of football. Yeah, because of football. Uh, ah, and, and they're Tennessee fans? Has this happened with other fans? Maybe you guys rub people the wrong way. No. no we So our conversation with you, we have one for every Power 5 team that Georgia plays. So, like, last week we had on a good friend of ours who's actually a Florida booster. And, you know, amicable conversation, very similar to this. Like, what are the good things? What are the bad things? What do you think is going to happen? Um, I've got a ton of friends that are Florida fans, LSU, Alabama. I I was texting Alabama fans during the national championship last year and nothing got out of hand, but it was just those couple of guys just. Well, I got it. Uh, can you give me some sort of idea of what they said? Does it have to do with your wife or uh, <laughs> oh, the well, podcast or professionally or what? what, what? Once we stop recording, I'll 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 tell you. (laughs) Okay, all right, I'm intrigued. Just, I mean, this person might still might still be listening, and if they do regret it, I mean, they blocked me all over everything and my phone number and all that kind of stuff. So, but that's unfortunate. 
Just yeah, if they do, that. if they do regret it, I don't want to air a mistake of theirs over the internet. That's fair because there are a lot of people on the internet. There are. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um. So, if you had to pick a favorite player on this team. And none of the guys that you have NIL deal, deals with will ever find their number. No, 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 no. <laughs> Cooper, Cooper, and Jacob are number one. They're, they're, Our well, audience is way yes. too small. You can be honest. Yes, yes. My my wife my wife uh, does the accounting, so she she made me vote for them when I mentioned that question to her. Um, I would say, um, and this is, sounds like a cop out, but I really thought this um, like two weeks in. And it was Jalen Hyatt. And I actually reached out to, through the current players that I work with. And I reached out to his dad on social media. And I said, I want him to do this very thing that I'm doing a weekly podcast. And I want to make this happen. Now, it sounds like in retrospect, since he scored 500 touchdowns in the past month, <laughs> that I'm just picking a dude. But I that really – and the reason is because he is – his press conferences are like you're visiting with your therapist. Do you guys uh, undergo therapy? You see yeah. any counselors? Okay, good. Um, it's important. Okay, so he is very sharing in that he was not ready to assume the role of a starter last year. Oh, wow. And, and his immaturity kept him from being a better player. He says this at press conferences. That's why I liked him yeah. from the get, even before he scored a million touchdowns. So – I, I just any and he's just all he just talks about team. You can't get him to talk about himself. And I found him very, very interesting. Um, but as it turns out, he quickly, quickly moved out of the off the hook sports pay scale. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that is that ship sailed about three weeks ago. <laughs> um, so, but no, that would be that, that would be my favorite player uh, other than. Cooper Mays and of course, uh, of course, yeah, oh, and Jacob Warren. Oh my God! By the way, Jacob almost scored. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're we're going to work some. We got to work something out where he gives some sort of signal. Um, I don't know, maybe I, you know that he, he scored. Get and, some uh, branded gloves and just have him do that to the camera. Yeah, what? like what? off like the hook gloves. Oh man, how viral would that go? <laughs> that would be super. Uh, so. Um, we're friends with Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show, and he sells those Beamer ball towels, and that's most of what you see in Williams and Bryce when they're waving the towels. Yeah. He's got little hand towels he sells that say Beamer ball on them. You got to get, gotta get yeah. some off-the-hook towels. You know, score and hold it up. Boom. I got – I tell you what, I got uh, I got uh, shirts there. Um, there you go. Lift, lift up the jerseys. Yeah, I'll send you some shirts. Will you guys agree to wear them on your next podcast if Tennessee wins? I'll have it in the background. I don't know about where. You know what? No, if they win, yeah. Right here, right now. If they win, I will wear it. I like but, it. But if Georgia wins, can will you wear one of our shirts on your podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I'll wear something. What, what, what shirt? You got shirts printed up? What kind of merch do you um, got? We actually, my wife makes them on her cricket. So we've got, I mean, we've got a really cool design. But still we don't have any made ready. Yours? Um, so, mine as you say, know, mine just, am, say, mine just say hooker right across the front. <laughs> yeah, so no, ours really has, 
and they don't ours sell has all. our podcast logo here and then on the back because you know nothing finer in the land than a drunk obnoxious georgia fan so on the back it says in the front says nothing finer in the land and the back says than a drunk obnoxious georgia champ and the exclamation points the playoff trophy okay cool yeah <laughs> i'll swap your shirts there well like i said mine aren't selling so <laughs> there's something about having hooker across your chest in the south that people don't like but i thought it was funny because you know i couldn't get sued because it's like it's my last name too you know so by the way we aren't related i thought that would be one of the first questions but hendon hooker and i are not related in any shape form or fashion <laughs> honestly that was i was going to sneak that in somewhere towards the end that was that oh. was on just rattling <laughs> around took that away from uh, me. Sorry. i'm sorry it's <laughs> I, I am related to Cadre Hooker, who played for Ohio State. A lot of people don't know that. No, I'm not related to him either. I was about to uh, apologize for knowing someone associated with Ohio State. <laughs> nice. By the way, um, I, as far as fandom homerishness, I think I, I'm not that, except when it comes to the SEC in general. Boy, if C.J. Stroud wins a Heisman, is that not just the ultimate shame? <laughs> i gotta be honest with you yeah no it definitely as of this point in time this season unless hooker just dive bombs she definitely is hooker's trophy to lose um, well if, i mean if we had a heisman vote it would go hendon hooker bro nix bro nix has put up elite oh, really? stats i don't care about the competition he has accounted for five or more touchdowns in almost every game this season and then it would probably be Quinshawn Judkins because that offensive line is not great and he is running 20 miles a game. And then it would be C.J. Stroud. When you've got arguably one of the top five wide receiver rooms for the last two seasons of the last 10 years in college football, it's real easy to get stats. Yeah. Well, what I don't like about it, and you guys have put a lot of thought into it. Um, <laughs> you're going down to four. I, I have a vote, but I, I don't do it. And uh, I really sit down. I do spend like four or five hours uh, when when the day it's due. Um, but I, at this point, I don't know. It just feels like the narrative of C.J. Stroud should win the Heisman has been shoved down our throat. Yeah. Well, if you look if, at um, some of the big names behind ESPN, um, a lot of them are Ohio State alumni. And that's, we are, we have gone on record on this show about ESPN bias. And he, it even goes in the way of Georgia sometimes, and I still don't like it. I just, if you're getting paid that much money to be on TV, you should be able, you should do your best to have an objective opinion. Yeah. David Pollock hates David Georgia. Pollock picks the other team most of the time when they're at Georgia. See, I'm okay with players being homerish. I am. You're Are saying you know he's not. Close. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay with players being a little bit homerish. Um, but for goodness sake, Kirk Herbstreit didn't he have to move from Columbus to Nashville because the fans had gotten so brutal? And the th yeah. the funny thing about about that whole situation is that's completely going to change because with the new television contract. That is going to benefit, I believe, the SEC immensely. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I'm showing my age. Peyton Manning didn't win the Heisman Trophy because ESPN wanted to have good numbers viewership-wise, so they came up with a different player after a different player every week. Ended up being Charles Woodson, who won it. Yeah. And that's not going to happen anymore 
because ESPN, ABC, Disney, the mouse, all that, they're going to be all on board with the, the SEC. So uh, I, I think that that's huge for the SEC. And I don't know if you guys are baseball guys, but somebody brought this up to me. Um, so what becomes of the Big Ten and, and the SEC? I think it's going to be like the ALNL in Major League Baseball. Mm, yeah. I mean, think about that, because they're basically going to be doing their own thing, and then at the end they'll meet. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not. I don't know how big of a fan I am of that because I do like the out of conference games. And Me for too. example, the game that got canceled next season of Georgia going to Oklahoma, like I was already looking at hotel rooms in Norman. Like I was making a trip out there for that game, and then it got canceled. How would you like to? How would you like to be this? Let me ask you this. So the Big Ten's approach is to add TV markets, right? Okay. I mean, that's what they're doing. The SEC wants the product to be better. That's why they bring in Texas and Oklahoma. The Big Ten brings in UCLA and USC. So how would you like to be a gymnast and you sign with UCLA and you have a a gymnastics meet at Rutgers? I mean, you have to fly five hours to go to Rutgers? I mean, that's the whole dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I don't. And at least the SEC is keeping it semi-geographic. Like, yes, they should have expanded a little bit further up the East Coast before they went out to uh, to Norman, I think. Yeah. But bring Florida yeah. State in. Yeah, we need another cupcake on the schedule. Florida State and Clemson would have been two perfect games right there to bring in. Yeah, Bobby Bowden openly admitted in 1992 uh, when the SEC. Brought in South Carolina and um, Arkansas. He openly admitted that he didn't want to go to the SEC and get his brains beat in. <laughs> and that's why Lincoln Riley left. Yeah, Probably. that was just very odd timing. <laughs> they go to the SEC and then suddenly he jumped ship to uh, to not even win the Pac-12. Yeah, they. Um, he's an interesting fellow, for sure. Um he puts pictures of his mansion up on uh, social media a lot. I'm sure that and some dry ass brisket. <laughs> I did know. I did not know the brisket was that dry in LA. Yeah. Oh no, he made this while he was still yeah. in Oklahoma, and it. If I had took a bite, I'd still be chewing. So he made. Were you at his house? What? How did, how did this happen? How no, did he 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 made a brisket and he posted a picture on social media. And it was the driest picture of a brisket I've ever seen in my life. Oh, okay. So, all right. But what if it, it uh, flavor? It could have been flavored correctly, I guess. I, I, I'm a big barbecue guy. If my brisket was that dry, I'd throw it in the trash. Okay. Well, I will say this. Out of the, all the coaches that we have discussed, I would say that Lincoln Riley would be the last one I would want to man the grill. Yeah. 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 He can I, go in. He can go in and make the desserts. <laughs> He'll, he's responsible for plates and cups when he comes to the barbecue. <laughs> That's pretty good. He probably puts raisins in his potato salad. It's a good oh. thing he's not the SEC. <laughs> All right. So, our last question before we get to kind of the fun stuff. And this is. This is a uh, this game projection along with the rest of the season. 
what is the record before December? That last week in November, what's the record? With Tennessee or Georgia? Mm-hmm. Tennessee. Um, gosh. Okay. I'm going to preface this with I don't, I'm horrible at picking games. Okay. Um, horrible. And I've already mentioned a couple of times I don't gamble. Um, but heading into December, are we talking before the SEC championship game or not? Yes. Yes, the week before the SEC championship. Well, it's either 11 and 1 or 12 and 0, right? <laughs> I mean, they're I mean, they're not going to lose to anybody else on their schedule. Yeah. This is the Georgia. game. I mean, I, I and I really believe that again from getting to know some of the guys that there's not going to be that massive sort of stumble. Um, yeah, I, I actually picked Georgia before the season and my co-host at uh, the lovely Amanda LaFrada, uh, said she picked Georgia and, um, and she actually is an Alabama fan. So she's pretty impartial when it comes to this game. And we agreed that the loser of the bet would jump in a lake in, um, November and in one of those crazy overall things that the ten Tennessee fans tend to wear, which I'm not going <laughs> to put that on. I'm not living up to that part of it. But if I had to pick it today, um, and I can't believe I'm saying this, this is a big departure from a month ago. I actually think Tennessee's going to be 12-0 and 0 heading into the SEC championship game. I yep. think they win on Saturday. I, I Again, you're talking to one of the – people who's considered one of the most cynical people of Tennessee football <laughs> in the past 15 years. And I, I, I do, I, I think they, I think they beat Georgia. Can't believe I'm saying it, but I think they do. It's definitely doable. That That's for it, sure. This is the game that I have, I will say, I am already nervous about this one. And I have been for a couple of days. I first game in years, I have legitimately been nervous for. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels like the stars are aligned for this Tennessee football team. And you know what's funny about that 98 national championship team? It, it was like every week you were waiting for them to blow it. I mean, it was the exact opposite feel. It was like, man, they're really going to choke it this week. I mean, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> and this is the exact opposite. You just have this sense of belief with this team. So, I'm changing my pick from just a couple of weeks ago. I'm I'm going I'm picking Tennessee to win this game. You do want to score? If you're willing to give a score, I'll take it. Uh yeah, I'll say um I don't think Tennessee scores 40 and Tennessee and Josh Heupel cannot win unless they score 30. So I will say 38 34 Tennessee 38 31 Tennessee. Seven points. It's going to be. It's going to be close. It's going to be damn close. I'm going to write that down because <laughs> I, I, I want to be consistent because I really am terrible at picking games. So sometimes I even forget because I don't put a lot of thought into it. There are other things I'm better at. So 38 to 31. That's that's my pick. I'm picking Tennessee over Georgia. Pure craziness. So, All right. oh, go ahead, Wes. Go. So. 
Tennessee, obviously, they played Pitt earlier in the season. You know, they were on the road. But, like, to me, this is Tennessee's, like, I guess their first real road, like, hostile environment. I wouldn't count Pitt as being a hostile environment. Like, it's Pitt. I totally agree. There were, there were like, 30,000 Tennessee fans there. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was not a road test at all. So, I mean, do you think that's going to play, like, obviously, like, crowds plays a big environment. But with this being, like, Tennessee's first real, like, road environment, like, how big of an impact do you think, like, that's going to play in, like, the way they run their offense? Because, obviously, you're going to have to run it different. Uh, well, th- this is their retort, which we'll find out. So, to that question, uh, Cooper Mays, who I talked to about this very thing on my podcast, um, it, it is – he believes firmly, and I've, I've kind of noticed this, that in road games, because they run such tempo, they're moving yeah. so fast, that it's kind of hard for the fans to get, you know, riled up for a second medium or second long or a third down that's important because yeah. they move so fast. And I'll be interested to see that because he said he noticed that you know, LSU was a road test, but but Tennessee, the, the opening kickoff was fumbled by LSU, and they scored, yeah. and the game's, the game's over before it started. So I'll be interested to see if his theory holds true. I tend to think it will because it moves so fast. You know, I, do they serve beer in Sanford Stadium now? Um, they don't, but they also don't pat you down. Um, <laughs> yes. And I will say some people I know um, – like to wear boots and then put flask inside the boots. Um, and it's just some people I know, you know, I'm not going to say any names or anything, but uh, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fairly curvy. common. Yeah, it's curvy smart. Um, <laughs> well, I, I the reason I say that is you, you literally can go to the restroom or go get some popcorn or go get a hot dog and, and, and miss two scores with this. Yeah. Tennessee offense. I mean, it really is hard, I think, for a fan base as weird as it sounds to get riled up. So, so in Sanford Stadium, the lack of bathrooms and uh, very few concession stands, you can go to the bathroom and miss an entire quarter. Um, big, big pet peeve of mine. It's true. Yeah. Well, my seats are right next to the stairs in the tunnel where the men's bathroom is right there. And you can go down and wait in line so long you miss half a quarter easily. Okay. Well, if you're having uh, frequent urination issues, that's something <laughs> you should talk to your physician about. <laughs> Personally, I would rather hold it and end up having uh, kidney problems than this part of a game. But I, I, have, I, I have some issues that need to be worked out at a later date. <laughs> that's good. Well, good luck with that. But I will say um, it's been a very common thread in Georgia groups all over social media and different forums and stuff that that everybody's saying that they're not going to stop being loud until Georgia has the ball. Like, it's just going to be constant yelling the entire time to not even make up for plays. I don't know how true that is. Because there's a lot of season ticket holders who are, for lack of a better term, shitheads. Um, and I've been told multiple times that I am too loud. Um, 
yeah, during the Auburn game, I was told I was too loud. So on Saturday, I'm going to bring earplugs for the guy next to me. Oh, wow. We'll just start a fight. No, I refuse to lose my seats. I'll let him hit me and then go get security. Oh, there you go. That's not a bad idea. Um, the, I, yeah, that, that's funny you say that because that was an issue uh, at Tennessee for a long time, that older fans had a problem with, I'm assuming you're a younger fan, uh, being too loud. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was that's weird that you bring that up. That was a big issue at Tennessee. And as far as the stadium experience, that that is the new recruiting tool, by the way. I'm sure you've seen Tennessee and all the stuff that they do. And um, Sanford, they've actually, I mean, they've got plans to put more bathrooms and concessions and all that stuff in, but construction takes so long. They're going to have to do it in like eighths of the stadium at a time in the off season before they can get a full remodel of the uh what is it the breezeway areas i don't concourse maybe i don't i don't know the real term for it i was in i was in athens in 2012 for a recruiting camp and they didn't have an indoor practice facility they just not spend money on that stuff because they do you've got to okay they <laughs> no, that was yeah. that was part of kirby getting the job now they've yeah. built i okay. mean they've essentially built two indoor practice facilities redone the whole recruiting end of the stadium. I mean, it's a, they've spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on facilities since Kirby got there. You have to in recruiting. I mean, the, the, the recruits walk in, like, where's my Taj Mahal? I need that. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so they, that, but you know, you, it's the chicken or the egg. You win, you get more money, you spend more money, you win. So, yeah. I think they were very and, fortunate that Kirby Smart played there, obviously, and they were able to hire him. Yeah, absolutely. So last question before we get into the fun stuff. Are you going to be at the game on Saturday? Yeah, I, I, I'm not. Um, you know, I guess COVID, whatever the case may be, I stopped traveling. I did, I did that a lot. Um, I find that I can get more stuff done. Um, so my traveling days got, got cut short a while ago. I, the, the only, the only travel plans I have, um, and we'll see what happens, but would be the, the Heisman ceremony at, at this point. So yeah, you can probably um, go ahead and book your flight to at least go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I have, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm planning on going to that just because that's something that I would really like to cover. I think that would be fun. So but um, no, I, I don't know about you guys, but um, um, you, you guys are younger than me. You soak it in and stuff. But the press box can be pretty sterile anyway. So, uh, and Sanford's closed, if I remember correctly. It's a closed press box, right? No, they have two uh, areas. So you sit outside and part of it, I believe. Yeah. I was about to say, I think there's an indoor and outdoor part of it. Yeah. But it's all in the shade, and um, it's only supposed to get up to 75 on Saturday. So it would be a nice day to be outside, 75 and a little breezy, right? Well, i tell you what. You sit in that Florida press box in September, and it's like 180 degrees. <laughs> and the humidity is like 120, and you got to pound out 20 inches of coffee. You've got to question your desire to live at that point. <laughs> I, I wore a black it's jersey terrible. to a September noon kick this season and immediately questioned my life choices. 
Yeah. Well, uh, what? Uh, so what? Are the uh, the Bulldogs wearing anything special like Tennessee did last week with the black jerseys? Nothing. So it's actually something we put out on our social media right before this started. And it was, does Georgia wear black on Saturday? Because it's something that all the fans want. And the options were no, and then no on the bottom. Because it, Kirby, if if fans want black jerseys, he's not going to do it, is what I've learned. Like, if there's a push for it, he's like, yeah, I do what I want. Yeah. And we're, seems, we've actually been called jersey whores before because of how much we talk about uniforms. I do a deep dive every week into what George is wearing, and I am wrong every week. So. Oh, yeah. Like, we, we <laughs> look through the videos the equipment page puts up, and we're disappointed every week. Hmm. Yeah, Kirby Smart doesn't seem like the uh, go-with-the-flow type of guy. No. <laughs> no. It's like a create-the-flow type of guy. I mean, for example, they posted, like, the Oregon game. They posted it was a blackout game. They put Harry Dog in a black jersey for all the promotional stuff, and then the team wore red. If you want it, he's not going to do it, is what we've learned. He'll do it for, like, Georgia Tech or something stupid that no one cares about. Monroe. Or, no, Lafayette. Wasn't it Lafayette they wore black jerseys? Um, his first season, I think it was Monroe, UL Monroe. They yeah. wore black jerseys. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you guys are pro black jerseys. Oh, I love them. Yes. Yes. Okay. I own one. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of black, those jerseys last week were probably the cleanest uniforms I've seen this season in football. The black helmet completed the look. Those were so clean that Tennessee had. Yeah, it's funny you say that. That was like the one thing, even when they wore black jerseys, that Tennessee fans said, just don't ever change the helmet. Yeah. And it's funny. I, I think that when you're winning, like Tennessee is, you could have, I mean, you could, you could have run out there in like Oregon green jerseys. And everybody's like, yay, this is my favorite jersey ever. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, it's, it's funny how you're able to pull those things off when you're winning. As much as I hate Tennessee orange, like the orange popped on those and looked so good. Like those uniforms looked good last week. I'm gonna get hate for it, but I love the smoky grays. Yeah, a lot of people like this, um, especially the Dick Sporting Goods, who sells like a million of them. They, <laughs> re- they really like them. <laughs> All right, so now we're getting into a section we like to do, um, and this is mainly – backstory, I've told it before. I personally hated everything about Tim Tebow. For no, mm-hmm. Other than he hate, he went to Florida, I had no reason to hate him, but I irrationally hated Tim Tebow. Um, and then on Connor's podcast, I heard him interviewed a few times, and I actually got to like him as a person regardless of who he played for and who he talked about. So that's kind of the purpose of this is we want to put a person behind the name so that if anybody, uh, any Georgia fan sees Dave Hooker says they they can understand that the person is not the tape kind of thing, if that makes sense. Okay. Tim Tebow, the only man to uh, hug me at first meeting and the only player to hug me at SEC Media Days. How about that takeaway? Yeah. Full, it's full, actually full bro, full bro hug. It, it is there. Awkward. We have a list of guests that we want to get on, um, like our our goal guest, and Tim Tebow's on that list now. 
As, yes. If I'd done this two years ago, I absolutely would not have had him on this list. But as of today, he is probably top three on that list. Yeah. Nice. Where was I on the list? <laughs> uh, wherever, whenever Connor gave us your number. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, uh, we'd, we'd look for weeks to find tolerable, rational Tennessee people, and it was difficult. So when we stumbled upon you and I listened to your stuff, I was like, that's the guy. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, they, um, you know, you probably caught me at a good time. Um, I, <laughs> um, I went on a Nashville radio station uh, after in Jeremy Pruitt's last year, and oh, um, and they had lost to Georgia State, and I said, just fire him right there on the spot. I mean, literally, and I, I meant it because Philip Fulmer was the AD. Um, I think uh, you probably could have gotten David Cutcliffe. Uh, back from Duke, John Chavis, I think, was coaching a middle school team. He was the defensive coordinator back in the day. I'm not kidding, actually. And so I, I was like, put the band back together like the Blues Brothers. Yeah. And and I was dead serious. And I remember they put me on hold. And uh, during it, one of the hosts goes, oh, he just wrote that on Saturday Down South for Flicks. I was like, no, I really meant it. If you <laughs> lose to Georgia State, other than your first year, okay, you can lose to somebody bad in your first year, but if you haven't changed the culture and you you lose to somebody that much lower on the football scale than you, then you should be fired and arguably shot. Key example. <laughs> yeah, and what happened at the end of the year? He was fired. You could have gotten a head start on the coaching search. It's funny, I was actually at a bar in Athens after the Georgia game for that, and there are very few times I have heard a bar erupt like at the final seconds of that game. Yeah. Yeah, it um, yeah, it sent uh, Jeremy Pritt scrambling for McDonald's bags. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first of these guest questions. What is your first college sports memory? Doesn't necessarily have to be Tennessee. Doesn't have to be football. Like, what is, what's the first thing you remember about college sports? Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. I got a good one for you. So you guys don't know who Reggie Cobb is, right? Yes. You do? Okay, cool. He played for the Bucks for a while. I remember sitting and waiting to get my hair cut while my dad was getting his haircut at, I'd like to say a barber shop, but it was a hair salon. We we're both very picky about our hair. <laughs> and I was, I guess that was 85. So I'd have been 11 years old. And I remember on the radio saying that he had been uh, kicked off the team and uh, everybody knew that it was because of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my first, that'd be my first memory. That'll, that'll do it. Yeah, that was 85, so I would have been 11 years old. Yeah. Unless you're the 86 Mets, you can't get away with doing cocaine on the team. No, well, fortunately, he didn't cut the head off a cat like Kevin Mitchell did, the outfielder for that team. That was disturbing. Yeah, we're a big anti-Mets podcast. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully pro-cat. I'm surprised my cat hasn't made an appearance. He typically likes to walk in front of the camera. Yeah. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not joking about that. Google that. You can Google that. He did that in front of Dwight Gooden and his and Kevin Mitchell's wife, and held them at knife point, and the cat walked by, and things went really weird. Jesus. 
Okay. Um, Google I, it. I, I'm not, I, I'm not I will. I will. That's, that is a very interesting story. <laughs> I mean, has anybody else brought up anything like that? No. On your podcast one time? No, I can't say they have. This episode has been full, full of emotions. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> so, if you were a recruit and you could not go to Tennessee, where would your three official visits be? Uh, well, I've said this for years. I would feign all kinds of interest in Hawaii because nope. they, they, you know, I covered recruiting for a long time. They're really picky. You have to really show interest because they can only fly so many people out because you only have so many visits, but I would just totally pretend that I was in love with Hawaii. <laughs> and then, so I'll only get three official visits. <laughs> there's your cat. <laughs> now I feel bad. All right, so there's only three. There's only three official visits. Yeah, get, yeah, we're doing three for this. I don't get my five. Um, I would probably go. I would probably go to the um, Army Navy game, and I would go to the Iron Bowl in Hawaii. Those would be my three. All right. I love always, Hawaii is one of mine. I I love the Hawaii pick. Yeah, and the and I mean the Army Navy thing is just so cool. That's on my bucket list of things to do. Um, I mean that you know our country coming together is doesn't happen a lot, unfortunately. So I would love to do that. And then the Iron Bowl, I've been to more Alabama games than I can count, but I've never been there for Alabama Auburn game. Uh, Iron Bowl is probably even though I'm not a fan of either team. It's probably the funniest game I've been to. Oh really? So you've yeah. been to one? Which yeah. one did you go to? Oh, 13 in Tuscaloosa. Okay. Yeah. Kick six game. Yeah, I was at, yeah. I was at that one too. Yeah, that's pretty strong. Wow, so you go all over, not just Georgia? So, I have a bunch of friends that are Auburn, Alabama fans, and they're like, hey, we have these tickets you want to go. I'm like, yeah, sure. So, and I'll I'll wear Georgia stuff because I want, was it? No, so 12 was in Tuscaloosa, 13 was the Iron Bowl, and was the kick six. Yeah, I went both those years. And both those years, I wore Georgia stuff. Yeah, the thing about the Iron Bowl is I'd want to leave early because it always seems like, or at least right when the game's over, it always seems like somebody gets shot in the state of Alabama the day after the Iron Bowl. Have you noticed that? There was a guy shot after the Tennessee game for Bama this year. Yeah, there was. In Alabama. His his neighbor. Alabama Alabama fan shot his neighbor who was a Tennessee fan with a shotgun that night. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's gold. No, I didn't know that. Did Well, did the man live? Not that's sure. That's not important. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he shot somebody. That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, that part of the story is really insignificant, except to his family. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and um, aggravated assault versus murder. Uh, it's probably significant to the other family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I... He lived or didn't. We'll yeah. just leave it at that. <laughs> That's for you to find out. <laughs> I, I, I double-checked uh, my Google search. It was Kevin Mitchell. The cat. <laughs> so everybody's got a lot of Google homework. Did the Tennessee fan that got shot lived? And then talk about the dead cat. Yes. Um, and I do, not, I do not suggest that anybody abuse animals. 
So I do want to be real clear. But that yeah, no. that team, that team was absolute. I have um, we have an adopted cat that started as a stray, that started as an outside cat, that is now as an inside cat. Even though I'm allergic to them, and we have a dog, and we love them. Um, but um, yeah, that that '86 Mets team was off the chain. Wow. <laughs> but right, I'm so a cow. I'm a Cowboys one. fan. They were pretty off the chain too. I mean, it's pretty oh, bad when you have a um, you you have a house within a few yards of the practice field, and the house has one purpose, and that's to house your prostitutes and cocaine. And it's called the White House. Jesus. <laughs> Learn something new every day. The eighties were wild. All right, so this next one is, you know what, we'll call it a two-part question. Um, So it's pick a spot outside of the United States for your team to host their rivalry game, their biggest one. And the second part is, which team is actually Tennessee's biggest rival? Oh, it depends how old you are. Um, uh, Actually, you'll think this is crazy. 70 to 80-year-olds would say Vanderbilt. I know that sounds insane. Um, so uh, let's say 50 to 70 would say Alabama, hands down. Uh, my age, I'm 24 years old. I'm not. Um, my, I'm 48. So in that, it's probably Florida. Um, if you if you want to say, you know, because of Spurrier teams, um you would probably so that's 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 always a tough question for Tennessee fans. Um, it just really depends on how old you are. There's there's some elderly that would still say Vanderbilt um, because it's in state, and then there's Alabama. I would say personally, even though I'm in the age group that's Florida, I would say Alabama. I think it's one of the special robberies in all of college football. I mean, Forrest Gump played in it, so <laughs> and it had the name. It had the name. No, it has a name. The third Saturday in October, like everyone. Oh, yeah. It's like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, there are two rivalries that I'm I'm worried about in college in the SEC because bringing in two more teams, they might do this pod system. And one is Alabama, Tennessee. The other is George Auburn. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I hope those don't go away. I hope those are on an annual basis. That is my favorite rivalry. Georgia, yeah. I love that rivalry. Oh, the but, question was outside yes. the United States? <laughs> yes. Uh, but am I covering this game? Yes. We're on an expense report that doesn't have my name on it. like I, The university is paying for you to cover this game. Okay. Outside of the United States. I would say um, I've always wanted to go to Aruba. Huh. Yep. So I would say Aruba. First. I like it. I like the non-Dublin answers we get. Because Dublin's a very common one. Yeah. We get a lot of Dublin answers. Yeah. Even when it comes to the NFL, I don't know why we're giving Europe our football. I don't get that. They've got their own, and they look down on ours. Why, why are we doing that? I mean, no offense against Munich and London. I'm sure they're great places. Munich's great. Yeah. I mean, I don't doubt that. I'm not knocking the places. But how many people in Munich like American football more than soccer? Oh, yeah, no. 1%? 8%? Yeah. 
and they move there from the United States, maybe. So yeah. I don't know why we're doing that, but we are. All right. So we've already kind of talked about alternate uniforms, so we can skip this one if you want to, but if you want to answer it. Sure. Shoot. All right. What is your favorite alternate uniform, or is there a combination of alternate uniforms that you would like to see? Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to sidestep the question. Uniforms don't really register to me like the significance of them and they do with you all and that's that's cool i have but no issue they 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 just don't do a lot for me so i guess whatever uniform gets a five-star quarterback prospect that's the uniform you should wear so and i don't care the most if, honest answer we've gotten for that question ever yes yes if if listen if arch manning calls Kirby Smart and says, if you guys will wear pink against Tennessee on Saturday, then they should run out there in pink. <laughs> I like I've personally gotten off the arch train, but I see your point. Yeah, well, or a five-star to be named later. Yeah. Right. If, uh, uh, if the number one wide receiver in the country said that to Kirby Smart, I would be upset if they didn't wear pink. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, quarterback room set for a while. We're good with quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, except for your starter. Hey, hey, <laughs> oh, hey! I want to write the Stetson Bennett book, but I, I don't. I, I mean, don't want him to be. To I don't be want fair, him to be he's got more national championships than Hinder, Hendon. So and more yards. Hey, he oh. does have like eleven more passing yards than Hendon Hooker. <laughs> That's because he has to play in the second half. <laughs> Stetson Bennett did not take a snap with less than five minutes to go in the third quarter until week six. Now, I, I love Stetson Bennett. I really would like to write his book. Um, uh, but he probably has other people that want to do that. I think it's a great story. I think he's a very average quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I mean, you can't really argue against that. I mean, what would you have him, in you college have football, we love a good story. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I, I, you know, root for him. I think he's great. Um, but where would you have him among the quarterbacks in college football? Top 35-ish? Top 30? I would say on his best game, he's top 20. Yeah. Like, fair. if he plays like he did against Oregon every week, it would be hard to not have him top 15, top 20. Yeah. That's fair. And you got to respect the fact that he's maximized what he's done because he's gotten a little bit better at something kind of like that, uh, you know, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant did. They would work on one thing in the offseason. It's like he it's like he got a little bit more accurate uh, before last season. And he seems a little bit more mobile, a little bit more athletic this season. You know, it's like he's he's maximized what God gave him. So I, I got nothing but respect for him. Speaking of books, this is something I literally saw right before we got on the show. I saw a Tennessee book that they're already selling pre-orders for a book commemorating the 2022 season. Um, and it's called The Revivals. Are you kidding? Really? I am dead ass serious. Seriously? Yes. And that, that response tells me everything I need to know. Okay. The Revivals. Yep. R-E-V-I-V-V-O-L-S. Okay. 
Well, if you, without the dat, spell it again. R-E-V-I-V dash V-O-L-S. Revivals. Yeah, because Revival is a hangover <laughs> relief medication that I found. <laughs> I don't think it's Well, I was, I was thinking more of like the, um, like the church revival. Uh, it's probably what they were going for. Yeah. Uh, revival. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, Tennessee's. Uh, yeah. I Commemorate. Just, co oh, the 2022 yeah. season. <laughs> in, yeah, you, and they're selling it in week order. 10. Yeah. Commemorate the Vols' thrilling 2022 season with this hardcover coffee table book. <laughs> so, uh, is it just me being extremely jaded, or is that put in the cart about a quarter mile ahead of the horse? Well,. Yeah, it's it's by the USA Today Network and the Knoxville News Sentinel. And if you know anything about newspapers, well, you don't because you're young. So they, um, yeah, they're they're trying their best to turn a buck because nobody reads the newspaper anymore. That makes a lot of sense now. Pediment Publishing. The only pediment to this book selling well is if Tennessee loses on Saturday. Or, you know, impediment. God forbid they, they get all the way to the SEC championship and just get stomped by Bama and don't even make the playoff and people spend a ton of money on this book. I will tell you a funny story, and it's so weird that you brought that up. So a guy that worked for the Chattanooga Times Free Press wanted to write a book, and I've actually got it, okay? This is pretty funny. Okay, so I was wondering what he was doing. Nowadays, this is a book that he was going to write is the 2005 season. Okay. So for those that don't know, that's when the party came, came crashing down on Philip Fulmer. And then it just got worse after that. So, but the team was loaded and it was, you can, I guess you can still purchase it. The team was loaded. So he was writing it as like a revivals thing and they were going to win a championship. As it turns out, it's called Orange Crushed. And I looked him up. I was just curious what he was doing. And I think he's a logistics manager. <laughs> I was about to say, I, you know, I, I wasn't watching much football in 2005. Um, but Georgia won that SEC championship. They did. Yeah. He's, well, he started the book before the season. So <laughs> you had to, yeah, you had to turn something out. You put all this work in. I will say I appreciate something. the name after the turn it took. Yeah, and his bio actually said when I found him on LinkedIn, this is like three nights ago. It's so weird you bring this up. But his bio said uh, part of the pluses was the ability to turn a narrative about a successful season into one of turmoil. Professional silver lining finder. Yeah, I wonder how many he sold of those. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. Still available. Yeah. Tennessee quarterback Rick Clawson stood on the Tiger Stadium turf where he didn't belong in front of LSU fans who had grumbled over his one start against Ole Miss and near an opponent's sideline where he was unwanted. Down 21-0 in the second quarter. How oh, was that the game? Clawson threw a touchdown pass and ran for another as he led the greatest comeback in Tiger Stadium history. This is where it goes south. As the embattled Gerald Riggs Jr. stood defiantly in the end zone after scoring the game-winning touchdown, Clawson picked up the football and he did it into the LSU student section. 
I just wanted to say this on the back. I just want to say thanks for all the good times. Thanks for harping on me and writing articles like you did while I was there saying I wasn't good enough to play there. Clawson said later. Next paragraph. It was his last significant throw of the season. <laughs> Yo. That is gold. Oh my God. I love how it starts. Oh, his memes were around in 2005. Oh, man, the fact man. that he's like he stands on the turf where he didn't belong is like how it starts. Like that's fantastic. Yeah, and that game that was the hurricane game that was pushed back, and that was when Eric Gange uh, was thrown into the goalpost and threw like a bouquet toss interception that was intercepted by intercepted by LSU, and they put Rick Clawson in, and he let it come back. That led to a quarterback controversy, and Orange crushed. <laughs> I might want to buy that book now just to read it. I was it about to say, that, that was actually a stellar seller for that book. Like, I might I might go order one. I can probably get an autograph for you. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just, you can have this one. <laughs> but the memories. <laughs> yeah, it's like the only orange thing I've got on my bookshelf, and it's orange crushed. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Got a couple more questions. What is your favorite spot in the stadium to sit? Um, well, uh, I mean, I <clears throat> man, when we went to a couple of games as a kid, but I just sat in the press box. I took um, back, uh, I th- it was Derek, the Derek Dooley days. And I had an off weekend when I was working for uh, ESPN. So I took my son to go and uh, everybody hated it so much. And it was so terrible. And I wanted to sit next to the band um, so that he could see the band. And there were these three people that were on some unimaginable drug. And one person couldn't make it to the restroom, let's say. And the other person... Um, couldn't make it to the restroom either, but they were both ends, one in, in particular end. So um, that was not my favorite place. So I'll go with the press box. <laughs> and the poor, girl there to, the, poor, the poor girl there trying to look out for those two idiots. Oh, I just man. felt so sorry for her. And here I'm with my kids. I was like, we're, we're never going to a game again. <laughs> So after a night out drinking, and this can be now, this can be back when you were in your early 20s, whatever you want to – you said you were 24, so you're still in your early 20s. Yeah. Um, what, after a night out drinking, bars closed, what's your go-to food? That can be a specific place in Knoxville. It can be a type of food. It's open-ended question. Um, I don't know. Anything carby. Has a lot of carbs, spaghetti, um, anything, uh, just carby. I don't eat a lot of carbs on a day-to-day basis. Um, not that I'm dieting or anything. I just like to eat protein. Um, but yeah, like a big uh, sandwich. Do you have a sponsor that owns a sandwich shop? And I'll give them a shout out. <laughs> I wish oh, we, we did. We should. Yeah. <laughs> just a <the> distillery. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, we've got probably... ASW, and that's about it. Do they have a full menu, or are they just uh, do they have like a brewery type place? 
so they've got a place at the battery, but all they serve is drinks. And then there are two locations in Atlanta. As far as I know, they only serve drinks and then they do like food trucks and stuff. Okay. And a lot of them are, I mean, the one at um, the Beltline is next to like literally next door, same building to a lot of really good restaurants. Okay. Um, and that's, where is that again? Uh, well, it's ASW Distillery, the one at the Battery, or not the Battery? Oh, the, the Battery uh, in Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. They've got one there. Okay. Um, yeah. So they yeah, it doesn't look like they have a menu for food. So I guess uh, how about this? My favorite um, thing to consume after a night out drinking is a uh, barrel of the Whiskey Crypt from ASW Distillery. How about that? Love it. Love it. <laughs> so this next question is something that, I, this is the first time we've asked this question in any way, shape, or form. Who is your favorite musician that's also a Tennessee fan? A little bit of backstory on that. In our Facebook group, we are encouraging a boycott of all Tennessee fan musicians this week. No Morgan Wallen, no Kenny Chesney. If, if they were orange, we're not listening this week. I love Morgan Wallen. I'm not I a country music. I'm not a country music guy, so I don't. I don't. I mean, I know Kenny Chesney's work because I liked it the first time when it was Jimmy Buffett, but. <laughs> Um, I don't know Morgan Waller other than the name. Um, yeah, I, I okay. Can I vary a little bit? And does it have to be a musician? Yeah. Okay. No, will, yeah, you can vary however you want to. Okay, can I go comedian? Yeah. My Okay, my favorite comedian that's a Tennessee fan is Theo Vaughn. Ah. So you say that, but he's been in he's been at the last two LSU home games, and he's from Louisiana. Right, he went to LSU, but did you know that he dumped a Gatorade um, yeah. on Josh Heupel after the Florida game? I'm sure you saw that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, well, I'm I mean, also a just, big Theo Vaughn fan. Yeah, it's just like Kenny Chesney. You know, he puts on a Florida helmet when he's in Gainesville. I mean, it's all for showmanship. So oh, yeah. yeah, that's about the best time. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what. Now I'll go with singer Dolly Parton. <laughs> okay. Really? Yes, Dolly Parton. Uh, Was she, not uh, expecting it, but I respect it. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know the other two. I mean, I don't. I'm not a big fan of Chesney's music. I don't. I don't know who Morgan Waller is. So I would. I would go with Dolly Parton. And if you go to Dollywood, when you leave, the sign says, "Remember, I will always love you." And she will. It I've really never been to Dollywood. <laughs> You're missing out. Yes. It's not that I don't want to go. I mean, I've only been to Gatlinburg once, and it was because somebody gave me a free hotel room. Oh, what did you have to do for that? Right. It was my dad. <laughs> oh, okay. my dad. My dad that called made... me and said, "Hey, we accidentally booked two hotel rooms this week. If you drive up, we'll cover your stay and your food. If you want to hang out in Gatlinburg this weekend, and it happened to snow while we were up there, so that was kind of cool." Yeah, I like going to Gatlinburg, but I like finding the cabins that are like away from everybody. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Uh, there was too many. It was like Panama City in the mountains. Yeah. yeah, it's gotten pretty touristy. Yeah. Nothing against Gatlinburg. I just, my family's always been a beach family, hence why I moved across the street from it. 
Yeah. Um, so where are you again? I'm in Savannah. I live on Wilmington Island. If oh, you look right. up yeah. on the map. Yeah. No, we're we're the next inhabitable island from Tybee because there's a few islands that are just marsh between here and there. Yep. Been to Tybee. Um, been to where Forrest Gump set. So this is probably the first and only time in your podcast that you'll have two Forrest Gump references. We love yeah. a good Forrest Gump reference. Yeah, maybe I can work in a third. Hey, <laughs> i tell you what. You know who likes this book? Forrest Gump. <laughs> There's the third. Well, you know what? Here's another opportunity. Which team is your or fan base is your favorite to talk trash to? Uh, oh, my favorite line is this. Okay, because you get, you got a lot of people who become Alabama fans because they've been so good. So uh -huh. my favorite my favorite line is this: when you can tell somebody's not a real Alabama fan, is you know Nick Saban's done a great job, but man, that coach before him, what was his name? He did really well too, and nobody <laughs> knows who it is. Nobody knows who it is, yep. and he's the son of Don Shula. He's yep, Mike Shula. And didn't they have like three mics in a row coach for Alabama? And Mike Price. Um, Mike Price was um, – he was the one who um, actually didn't actually get to coach a game. Yep. Because, right. you know, he, there was a uh, – well, a lady of the night is the nice way to call it. More – you know, this is the first time we've had multiple prostitute references on the episode either. That is true. Or I can say this because of my name, a hooker. And <laughs> – she liked to yell roll tide and uh, thought that, that uh, he stood her up the next day and ordered one of everything on the menu when he was just playing golf at the resort. And so he got fired because of that. Yep. But she did. Yeah. She yelled roll tide during the, I don't know, game of Yahtzee they were playing. <laughs> ah. I hope your kids aren't listening to this. Yeah. No. <laughs> They're asleep. Yeah. My, my dogs are listening, but that's okay. They hear me say worse. Well, in dog years, they're older than me. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of them. We've got a puppy that um, likes to likes to sniff the what the '86 Mets were on. Um, he's wild. Interesting. You should put that up. <laughs> not, not actually, but no, he's. I'm looking over here at our antique windows um, that he's chewed part of while we are at work. Gotcha. He's, uh, hand, he's more handfuls than we have. Training. We're working on it. Gotcha. My dog's old, has arthritis, can't jump up on the bed anymore. It's very sad. No. <laughs> Bring it down. You know, <laughs> you got to work the crowd a little bit. Right. So, uh, yeah, um, but the the Mike Shula is my favorite one, and um, my favorite Mike Shula moment when he walked into the Winfrey for SEC Media Days, and I happened to be the first person that bumped into him. I said, "Can I record a quick interview?" And he looked like his eyes got the, uh, really huge, and he looked like he was about to panic. And he said, "Where's the restroom?" That was, <laughs> that was the end of that interview. Anyway. At least you have the answer to that question. Yeah. And then he walked in the women's room. No, I'm kidding. He didn't do that part. 
right. So if you got a couple more minutes, we'll do uh, we'll do some game picks real quick. Um, okay. And I know you said you're not good at it, but honestly, we aren't that good either. Well, nobody is. That's why they got big buildings in Vegas. Exactly. All right. So the first one we're going to do: Florida at A and M. Uh, straight up. Straight up. Yeah, we're doing straight up. Okay. I'm going to predict that uh, the A&M players are too stoned because they like to smoke pot before the game. In the locker which room. Is in the locker room, which is actually more prevalent than you would think. Wait, did Especially I miss something? Yeah. They, you must they have. Like yeah, no. Three, of, three players that Jimbo bought um, were suspended because they smoked weed in the locker room before the South Carolina game. Yes. And then, and then not the same three players, but like five others jumped his son after a loss. So, did that happen? Yeah. So, his son has a very punchable face, though. He does. Yeah. I don't even know who that is. So, but the cool part about it is, you know, you've got a group that's relaxed and you've got a group that's very aggressive. So, somewhere in the middle, maybe they'll find a way to get it done. I will take Florida. All right, Auburn at Mississippi State. Newly Cadillac Williams leading Auburn at Mississippi oh, wow. State. Okay, this this will be a weird one. They will rally behind Carnell Williams, and Ooh. who was committed to Tennessee, by the way. Yep. Um, before Auburn took every single one of its coaches, which was an NCAA violation to his home the night before signing day. Um. Uh, they'll rally behind Carnell and beat Mike Leach, who has an offensive mind, is incredibly overrated. My season win total over bet for Mississippi State is uh, is not happy with how they've played le- recently. Liberty at Arkansas. Uh, Ranked wow. Liberty, 25. So have, I see what you did there. So you have Auburn's next head coach, Hugh Freeze. Oh. Well, word on the streets, they're going to go hard after Lane Kiffin, who's going to turn him down. And then probably Dion, who's also going to turn him down. Um, <clears throat> Lane would take it if there were certain terms. Lane would take it. Mr. Yellowwood ain't going to let him make any terms. Well, then he would take it. <laughs> um, so that's that's why I think it's Hugh Freeze. Um Okay, so Liberty, who are they playing again? I'm sorry. They're at Arkansas. Wow. Um, yeah, I really like Sam Pittman in old school football, so I'm going to take Arkansas on this one. I, I, think Hugh, game... I, think Hugh, I think Hugh Freeze is already in negotiations with Auburn. I'll say that. Oh, probably has been already. Before they fired Harson, he was probably already in those conversations. Yes. Next one took the spot that Tennessee Georgia should have been with the seven o'clock kick. Bama at LSU. Wow, that's a that's that's a tough one. Do you know what the spread is on that one by chance? Um, I can pull it up real quick because I've got it in some other notes. Well, doesn't it just seem like LSU is going to upset Bama, who I think is average by Nick Saban? Bama is a thirteen point favorite at Death Valley. Okay, I'm going to take Alabama then. <laughs> Again, that's why they have the big buildings. If you're not going to make me pick against the spread and it's 13, <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm taking that team. 
right. And this last one, you've already given us a pick for, and you said Tennessee is going to beat Georgia. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, I think Tennessee wins 38 to 31, but the, yeah, could always be the beginning of a book called Orange Crush 2. So. <laughs> 2.0. The revival I, no, I, I, that wasn't. I, I do think Tennessee wins. I think that, and again, I've changed my mind over the past two weeks. Um, I thought for certain that they would not beat Georgia, but I, I think I think Tennessee wins. Um, I think this is one of those years where all the tumblers are falling into place. Um, Kirby Smart may prove to be the better long-term coach than Josh Heupel. I don't know. But I think this is that year where everything seems to be falling into place for a team. And I don't think there's an elite team in the nation. If there were an elite team, then I wouldn't even say what I'm about to say. And that is, I think Tennessee's a real contender to, to win a national title. So, God, I don't um, that. yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, do you guys think there's an elite team? I don't think there's an elite. I think there's a bunch of very, I think there's like five, maybe four or five very good teams. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. It's more I, mean, I, I think it's more of a who can put it together over the next month and sustain it. Like yeah. who can cuz I, I think every team's probably got like two or three jigsaw pieces that are open. And if they can find those pieces on the carpet, then that that's who's going to win. Yep. Um we'll know a lot more after Saturday, that's for sure. Yes, yeah. Yes. But that is all we've got for you today. Um, before we close this out, is there anything you'd like to tell the listeners anywhere they want to tell them where they can find you, um, social media, podcast, any of that good stuff? Yeah, just go to offthooksports.com. No subscriber fee. Uh, we're free, but we don't act like it because um, we're hookers. No, so, and then <laughs> the, the big thing is the YouTube channel. I'm sure that a lot of your listeners would love to hear uh, Cooper Mays on a weekly basis. So he's a part of what we do. So uh, we would certainly They'll like to hear nine tenths of it. Yeah. I got that. That was really good. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so yeah, just that's it. The YouTube page, uh, offthooksports.com. You can uh, check us out there if you have any Tennessee fans or you know people that like to hear um, breakdowns of games of prospects too we have uh chris landry who coached for bill belichick and uh sorry coach for nick Sa coach for bill belichick was a scout for nick saban he provides some x's and o's looks looks that might, might appeal to some of your listeners even though they're probably georgia fans uh we do recruiting breakdowns and that sort of thing so yeah just off the sports.com all right. Well, we really appreciate you coming on with us tonight. And I know I said 30-ish minutes, and it's been significantly longer than that. So we appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, no problem. But, no Wes, problem. you have anything else? Time. I just want to know what it's like to have a night home game. We won't know this uh, Oh, you haven't had one night home game? The reigning national champion, who has been ranked number one for most of the season, has had zero night home games. And because after Tennessee, they have Mississippi State on the road, which is a night game, Kentucky on the road, which is always a night game, and then Georgia Tech at home, which has not been a night game since 2010, um, they probably won't have a home night game this season. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that. That's that's interesting. What time does it, Georgia a, practice? Do they practice in the morning or the afternoon? Um, That's a great question. 
I because because I, that that's a bigger factor than some people think because Tennessee practices in the morning, LSU practices in the afternoon. So your body clock, you know, it was eleven o'clock central when Tennessee played at LSU. So they were so not ready to play. Preseason, I know they do mornings, but I think during the season it's afternoons. I want to gotcha. say it's two o'clock, which matches with three thirty. And CBS has three thirty as the primetime game, and that'll probably change once the SEC moves to ESPN. But it's very frustrating, especially because Georgia spent millions of dollars on the light show that they have yet to be able to use this season. And that, I mean, they've had it for three years now. But well, that's that's going to change with the ESPN contract, and I'm sure their practice schedule is largely determined by uh, their uh, class schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Sure. No, it's, most most kids don't go to most football players don't go to class. Well, so funny story. <laughs> when my wife went to Georgia, she worked for the athletic department, and she would sit outside of classrooms, and football players had to sign in with her and like hand her their student ID. And when they would go to the bathroom, they would sign out with the time. They'd sign back in when they came in from the bathroom and they'd sign out after class. Let me guess. That was during Mark Rick's tenure. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Movies aren't winning. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. Um, once again, we really appreciate coming on talking to us. Um, but we've actually got another episode and a half to record tonight. So we are going to get Chilling. that going. All right, guys. I enjoyed it. Have a fantastic evening. Uh, good luck to uh, Georgia. Uh, uh, stay healthy. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Should be entertaining, to say the least. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again. See you guys. And as you guys heard a minute ago while we were talking to Dave, we are picking mostly SEC games this week because, I mean, in all honesty, there aren't very many other interesting games going on. Um, and we are a Georgia slash SEC-centric podcast, so we are going to roll with all SEC games this week, and there's a lot of interesting storylines. So we'll go ahead and get into it like we started with Dave, Florida at a and A&M's a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. The over-under is 54-and-a-half. Um. Yeah. The uh, so moral victories aside, Florida seem to have done the opposite of their most recent history, which is not like they're not falling apart after the Georgia game of the season, which is what they usually do. Um, and then on the other side of it, AM seems to actually have found some offense with Connor Wegman. So. This is going to be Florida's 116th in run defense, AM's 120th in run defense. This is going to be an old school, run heavy slugfest, low scoring. Um, but Florida is also 95th against the pass. So this could be a very good starting point for Wegman's career. I'm going to take AM to win and cover. And this is the first time this season I'm going to do a score prediction. I could easily see this being like a 24-20. They hit the under, AM covers, just old school run game with yeah. neither team really being able to do much on defense. What about you? Uh yeah, I don't understand why the runner's so high. 
Like, yeah, I, both there have been many over unders less than fifty this season, which is um, crazy. Especially with this game, like the offenses suck, but the defenses also suck. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, but no, I think the difference in this game is going to be a chain. Um, I think he's a better running back than um, Etn, even though Etn did have a bunch of really good returns um, against Georgia on kickoffs. But I think a chain is going to be the difference. I think a and pulls away. Yeah, no, we're on the same page there. I don't, I don't, I just, if this was at the Swamp, maybe I could see it being a little bit different. But, I mean, it's a noon kick. I just, I don't see how Florida can do this with what they showed on defense last week. No. Um, next one we're going to talk about is Auburn at Mississippi State, with Mississippi State being a 13-point home favorite, um, over under 52 and a half. And, I mean, we all know. Auburn's defense has not been very good this year, but it seems like they've been able to stop the pass. They've got a fairly high-ranked passing defense. But I think this could also be a misleading stat because it they haven't been able to stop the run. So why would you pass the ball if you can run the ball to the extent that Auburn's allowed teams to run? Um and here's a little here's a little fun stat for just how awful Auburn's been this season. Auburn's offensive line is so bad that Johnson for the Mike Leach air raid system as a running back has 407 yards this season, right? Like that's not that's not a ton. It's kind of what you'd expect from an air raid running back. Tanks Bigsby only has 587. And Johnson has 42 less carries. That's how Auburn is historically bad this year. Granted, they've won some games that we didn't expect. They're awful. I mean, yeah. um, As, you know, we talked about in our recap podcast, um, they're going to, they're going to need a new coach. Um, And, I don't see them get by. I don't see them possibly winning another game this season. I honestly don't. Um, it's going to be I real think, tough. I think they've given up. Um, I don't think they care anymore. Because, I mean, the next game, Mississippi State, A&M. Okay, they could beat Western Kentucky. And then Bama. Okay, like, they got one more win. They got one more win. So, they'll be, what, four and eight? Yeah. Oh, that's I, a tough I, look. I don't see them winning. Harson has destroyed that program inside and out. And um, granted, he got fired today. We talked about that with Dave. He tried real hard. I, I truly believe he tried very hard. But it's almost like he tried very hard to get out of a concrete box buried underground. Yes. He was and, doomed from the beginning, which sucks to yeah. say. But... He'll be a head coach here in the next couple of years again and probably do well as long as he's not in the SEC. I don't think he will. I think he'll get some coordinator positions, but I don't I don't see him being a head coach anywhere, especially not in the, what he's got, about to leave Auburn with and how many players literally entered the transfer portal like here recently. Like, no, he, he's – I think he's done as a head coach. It's entirely possible. Um, 
I'm taking Mississippi State. Oh yeah, uh, and, we we're picking. <laughs> I, so, honestly, I, I if this could be a 17 point spread, and I'd probably still take Mississippi State. I just, I have no confidence in Auburn at this point, and they haven't earned any. No, I love how we're going against Dave in both picks so far. <laughs> <laughs> it makes for uh, makes for good content. Right. Um. Next one is Liberty number 25 in the AP poll, Liberty, at Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas is a 13.5-point home favorite with the over-under at 63.5. I think this is a very underrated game. I'm honestly upset that it's the same time as the Georgia game. And we're fine. We are finally getting to the point in the season where we can talk common opponents. Um, and ironically, Liberty and Arkansas share a common opponent in BYU. They both beat BYU, which I'm a little upset about. Yeah, your uh, uh, your bandwagon team ain't looking so good. No, no, it is not. My my bandwagon team has got some awful looking wheels right now. Yeah, but whose bandwagon has four fucking field tires? This guy. Yeah, you you definitely got that one on me. <laughs> But Liberty won that game against BYU 41-14. Arkansas won their game against BYU 52-35. Liberty has 30 or Liberty is the 36th ranked rush defense going against Arkansas, who has the sixth ranked rushing offense. Um I think this problem, I think the problems are going to start for Liberty with their awful pass defense. Um, and honestly, passing offense, that's not going to be able to take advantage of Arkansas's bad pass defense. Um, I think Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks take this one pretty handedly. I think they're going to cover. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say with it, except I did saw a tweet last weekend about how K.J. Jefferson is the Dollar General version of Cam Newton. Um, and that came from an Auburn fan. Um, so I don't know what Auburn fans have to tweet about. That's good. Making fun of other teams when your team is literally a straight fucking dumpster fire. But, um. That's all they've got at this point. Yeah, but do they? But no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going with, with, um, Arkansas on this one. Woo pig. Woo pig. At Sam Pittman, please come on the show in the off season. We're going to put it out in the universe again. Please. <laughs> All right. Next game is, like I said, Dave, this is the time slot that Georgia and Tennessee should be playing, but don't. Yes, mm. hates Georgia. So mm. we're stuck with another day kick. So we got Bama. What's up? Oh, we'll talk about it when we cover the game. All right. We got Bama at LSU. Alabama is a 13 point road favorite in the real Death Valley, over under at 58 and a half. And if I'm being entirely honest, I was hoping to pick LSU in this game. Um, and then I looked at the stats. Alabama has a 17th-ranked rushing offense, 12th-ranked rushing defense. LSU on the other side, 42nd-ranked rushing offense, 66th-ranked rushing defense. Going to the passing, Bama's 34 passing offense and 32nd pass defense. LSU is 42nd passing offense with 35th ranked 
passing defense. And that that's not even bringing into consideration the common opponent, which is Tennessee. And uh, if Will Reichard could have hit the side of a barn from the inside, Bama wins that game <laughs> against yeah. Tennessee. Um, meanwhile, LSU lost 40-13, to 13, and they just got run through. So it's been 12 years since LSU won against Bama and Baton Rouge, and it's probably going to be 13. Bama, I think Bama wins and covers. What about you? Yeah, I think Bama wins comfortably. Um, they're out to prove a point now after that Tennessee loss, um, which sucks to say because I really, really want to see somebody else come out of the West. I mean, their best chance is Ole Miss. Have they played yet? They play next week. Ah. Um, best chance is probably Ole Miss to come out of the West. Um, I mean, if LSU wins – they're in control, like they're they're going to the SC championship if they win, I believe. Um, if they win and and Ole Miss wins out, Ole Miss goes. Ole Miss has only lost one game. And that was to LSU. Correct, but LSU is three lot two loss team right now. One yeah. of those is an SEC win. But anyways, the fact that we are this far into the season and Chip Kelly has or not Chip Kelly, well, Brian Kelly has a chance for his team to go to the SC championship in his first season, we ne- we we would never would have thought that coming in. No, this. we had a conversation in the preseason about does Brian Kelly make it five years? Yeah, and I but unfortunately, like I'm I'm gonna have to take Bama. Um, they're too good. They're out to prove a point after that Tennessee loss, and LSU is just another bump in the road for them. Yeah, no. I – Went through the stats. Like I said, I wanted to pick LSU. I just – I after seeing all that, I couldn't do it. The numbers. Yeah, the, the numbers don't the lie, anal- guys. The analytics. All right. So, this is the one we've been waiting for for a long time. And so, Wes, I've already got my soapbox written out here. So, I'm going to go through some stats. And then I'll let you take it away. And then I'm, I'm going to climb on my soapbox and probably be a little bit too loud for a minute. Hmm. All right, Georgia is a eight-and-a-half-point home favorite. And this – all right, y'all, it has changed from yesterday to today. It opened at 12-and-a-half on some places. It's now eight-and-a-half. It could go back up. It could go back down. We don't know. Um, but the over-under is 66. And for what it's worth, the ESPN FPI gives Georgia a 74.9% chance to win this game for what it's worth. For what it's worth. Um, and we, y'all heard Dave Hooker talking about the Tennessee program. You, you heard him pick Tennessee. And if you're unlucky enough to know any Volunteers fans, I've seen it all over social media and texts and everything. Vols by 50 is something I have legitimately heard. And I think some people are delusional, delusional enough to believe that. But on this show... We don't say things without having some facts to back it up. So just quick comparisons. Georgia is sixth in scoring offense. Tennessee is first. Georgia is second in scoring defense. Tennessee is 26th. Georgia is 13th in passing offense, or passing defense, I should say. Tennessee has moved up to 127th in passing defense. Georgia is... A lot of people aren't going to believe this. 
eighth in total passing offense with Tennessee being at first. Every offense to defensive category there says that Georgia's going to win this game. And this is the part where I'm going to let you take over for a minute and then I'll come back in and be too loud. So I've said it before. I'm pretty sure I said on this on this podcast. If this game was in Knoxville, we're losing. 100% this game's in Knoxville, we're losing. I'm not saying we're winning Saturday, but let me throw some more numbers at you. All right. You're ready. Since, since 2017. All right. Georgia is 32 and 1 at home. All right, that's overall. Since and the one time they lost, Jake Fromm threw three interceptions, and it took double overtime to lose that game. Yeah. And Hot Rod missed like three field goals. Yeah. Um, worst worst performance of a Georgia football team. Yeah. Decades. Yeah. All right. Here's some more numbers for you. Versus ranked opponents, Georgia is 7-0. and First ranked opponents at home. Average margin of victory, 21 points. All right. Sorry, I forgot to mention the average margin of victory overall is 29 points. All right. Versus top 10 teams. Guess the record since 2017. 3-0. 3-0. And with the average margin of victory, once again, 21 points. The numbers don't lie. All right. Every tough game Tennessee has played, and I say this today, has been at home. They've yet to have a hostile environment. Yeah, they played LSU, but like he mentioned, that game was over from the beginning when LSU fumbled the opening kickoff. And, yep. like, if this game was in Knoxville, we lose 100%. It being at home, I think it being at 3.30 still helps. Like, the crowd has time to drink, has time to Most get. of the second half is going to be after dark as well. Or yeah. at least in the dark. The sun doesn't set till five o'clock, but it's still gonna be pretty dark. Yeah. I the numbers don't lie. I, I don't see anything on the Tennessee side of the defense that says that one, they're gonna be able to not even the receivers, the tight ends. Their linebackers aren't gonna be able to match up with the speed of the Georgia tight ends at no. all. And I think it's gonna be close. I don't the fact that Georgia opened up as a double point as a double digit favorite is blows my mind. I think it's going to be somewhere between three and seven point victory. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. It's going to be a close game. Um, but I'm gonna get on the first step of my soapbox here. Um, so I said it before, I think it was on an episode with Sean a few weeks back, the way to beat this Tennessee team Short and intermediate passing routes as the run game. It, they have a good run defense, 100%. Can't take it away from them. But if yeah. you force their linebackers and safeties to attempt to cover Kenny McIntosh, Dejan Edwards, Branson Robinson, Kendall Milton, if he's finally healthy, and then not to mention you've got Brock Bowers, confirmed not human. Darnell Washington, <laughs> confirmed not human. Oscar Dell. And I think Eric Gilbert gets some touches in this game. Yeah. If you force their linebackers and safeties on those guys, they're not going to be able to stop it at all. And then on top of that, A.D. Mitchell has been upgraded from doubtful to questionable. You put A.D. in this, get the double coverage off the lab, I do not see how their secondary is going to be able to stop 
any of those elite playmakers for four quarters. As long as Ladd can catch the fucking ball. Well, the problem is he's been double covered all season. He's a slot yeah. guy. He's small. I, granted, some of those drops are his fault, but also some of those drops have to do with the fact that he sets and thrown to him in double and triple coverage. Yeah. You know? And on the defensive side of the ball, we've seen, if you've watched Tennessee football this season, you hit them hard, you hit them often, and you hit them early. And their offensive efficiency significantly drops. If you watch that LSU game, the reason that LSU was close towards the end of that first quarter is because they were beating the shit out of Hendon Hooker. Yeah. Every time they had an opportunity, they took some late flags. And I would I expect Georgia to get some late flags because Jalen Carter just blows Hendon Hooker up. I'll take a couple roughing the passer penalties. I'm just being 100% honest. But their offense works on timing. If you're able to jam or get some hands on those receivers coming off the line, that's what they did most of the game last season in Knoxville. Like You slow them down, you get that timing off, you're going to be able to do things. You get in in Hooker's face, you're going to be able to do things. Yeah. And Jalen Carter coming in for more snaps is going to be absolutely huge in this game. You don't have to manufacture a pass rush. You've got the best defensive lineman in college football coming off on the guards and you know, Dave's Dave's a big fan of the offensive line, but the interior of that offensive line is not has not been good. If no. I mean, if we're being one hundred percent honest, they've not. That's why Hendon Hooker has so many rushing yards because he bootlegs out and then takes off down the field. You know, I mean, it also helps too that Georgia, which we can put more. Granted, our linebacker core is depleted right now. Um, Georgia's second in the nation on QB pressures without blitzing. Yep. is going to help the secondary a lot come this game. And not to mention, you've got Smale Mondin back. Smale, smile. I would love to know how to pronounce his name. Well, he's uh, questionable. Well, he was also questionable last week and played most of the game. Yeah. You've got Jamon Dumas Johnson. We talked about him in the preseason, and he has taken two or three steps between each game. He has gotten significantly better every single week. Yeah, and I, I just, I don't see ten. I, I don't see Tennessee being able to run the ball consistently. They're going to get forced into the air. When they do that, they're going to put enough guys on the outside where you're able to jam their receivers. I just, I don't see them being able to consistently move the ball like Georgia should be able to. But here's for the second and top step of the soapbox. Most importantly, you know what? Let me let me finish my glass real quick before I get on this. Oh, that important, huh? Most importantly, Dog Nation, anybody that's listening, Kirby has said this before, and I understand I am significantly less important than Kirby Smart. I get it. <laughs> I'm going to say it either way. Y'all need to show the fuck up and show the fuck out. I know it's not a night game. I understand that. You know what happened last season? Arkansas was a noon game. You know what happened last season? We showed up. We were loud. We had an effect on the game. And I know that you guys are just as tired as I am about hearing the absolutely ridiculous comparisons from Tennessee to 2019 LSU, and I've even heard 2020 Bama. You know who they're not comparing Tennessee to? The reigning fucking national champions. Team is ranked number one in the country. Team has got the best 
margin of victory, the team that's higher on offense, higher on defense, higher on scoring, everything than every other quote-unquote elite team in the country. The, our Georgia Bulldogs, they're not getting compared to. And I understand this team's not as good as they were last year. But you know what? No team's as good as they were last year. That's from Masapi. This defense, number-wise, is better than last year. Has allowed less points so far in this season than this point last season. Overall, (laughs) this team does not appear to be as good, down and down out, than last season. But every single game last year, we the fans, we showed up, we showed out, we were loud, we had an effect on the game. And all these tickets I see for sale on Facebook and StubHub, if you sell your tickets to a Tennessee fan, you should absolutely lose the opportunity to buy season tickets from here on out. And it's rumored that Josh Brooks is actually going through and figuring out who's selling their tickets to people in Tennessee zip codes on StubHub to ban those people from buying season tickets. There's a wait list. Sucks to suck. Don't be a fucking traitor. <laughs> no, I agree. The, I mean, what was it? it Last year, he, he challenged the crowd to be elite, but early, loud, intense. I forgot what the other T in the year for, I, but yeah. I, Just be loud. This game, needs, this game needs to be no different than Arkansas. This game needs to be no different than Auburn. We were there. We were loud. We had an effect. We need, to send, we need to send this Tennessee team back where they belong, under our fucking boots with their tail between their legs, humming Rocky Top to stop themselves from crying to sleep at night. We've got underdog quarterback. You heard Dave talk about it. He's not physically talented. Whatever. You've got alien, out-of-this-world tight ends, shut down physical, punch you in the fucking mouth defense. And you're telling me that 92,746 of us are not going to show up and make some noise? No. Quit. This is where... Championships are made. This is the highest-ranked matchup in Sanford Stadium history. And the fact that people are trying to sell their tickets to make a quick dollar, fuck you. You know what? Since all the Tennessee fans want to say it, dogs by 50. Tired of hearing it. Yeah. I really am. I mean, you you hear it everywhere. Like, not even just the fans. Like, all over ESPN, all over everything, how Tennessee – SEC football final, every single person said that Tennessee is going to win this weekend. Yeah. It's also every single one of those people that every single one of those teams that those people support have lost to Georgia. I don't suck to suck. Sorry you're bitter about it. The reigning national champions are here to fucking stay. The only thing this Tennessee team has over Georgia is maybe the quarterback. I would argue wide receivers too. Their offensive line's not as good. Their defensive line's not as good. Their linebackers are fucking yeah. terrible. Their secondary is awful. What makes their receivers as good as they are? Their quarterback, 100%. Exactly. Cedric Tillman had four catches before Hendon Hooker was quarterback. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I, I don't – and I'm sure Tris is going to listen to this episode. Like, no, I don't – Sucks to suck, nerd. It's going <laughs> to gonna be a game. Yes, I'm not saying it's not. Oh, it's going to be close. I think the crowd is going to make a difference. Tennessee – hasn't been in a hostile environment this season. That Sanford's going to be rocking. 
They need to do what they did with against Notre Dame, put a couple more th- thousand seats in, and let that place fucking rock. Oh, I guarantee you I'm going to struggle to talk by the end of the first quarter. Do it. Like Kirby said, if you are able to talk after this game, you weren't loud enough. Hell, I might not be able to talk here at my house. And I, I said it earlier, and I was not joking. We are bringing earplugs for the guys to my right since they wanted to be a little fucking bitch about me being loud against Auburn. Dude, I, and if he wants to hit me, I'll go get security, and then I'll buy his season tickets for next year. But don't play games with me. And then if I'm asshole enough, is a two-player game, and I'm better than you. And then if I'm close enough, I can come to those games. <laughs> Probably not. You hate me. Oh, my God. We're not getting into this right now. <laughs> <sighs> so, I, think, I think it's a game, but I think Georgia's talent is what separates them at the end. And I, I think Georgia pulls it out. I I agree. I I don't think Georgia covers full transparency. No, no God no. I think Georgia wins. God, Absolutely. Do we sound like homers right now? Do what? Do we sound like homers right now? Why why would we? Every statistical category points to Georgia being the better team. Yeah, true. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Georgia beat Georgia beat this exact same Alabama team in January. Where did Alabama improve from January to this year? Yeah. If yeah, anything, they I, got worse in the secondary. Yeah, and it yeah. took Tennessee a last-second field goal to beat them, and Georgia beat them 33-18. Like I said in our um, our messages, like the only thing this Tennessee has on offense is the deep threat. You shut down the deep threat, you shut down that offense. Yeah. All right. So – as most of our listeners know, Wes and I are both veterans, and with Veterans Day being in November, we wanted to take a minute for each episode we're going to release in November um, and just do a little veteran highlight. You know, I personally, I feel like there's a lot of military influence on the college football world, and there's pretty much no emphasis, including in November. Um, so it's just something we talk about, give our little take on it. So with this being Tennessee week, so we're talking about General Robert Neyland. That This is the man that Tennessee Stadium is named after. Um, he was in the United States Army, go Army, beat Navy. He got to the rank of Brigadier General. Um, he was born in February of 1892 and died March of 1962. Um, during his time with Tennessee football, he had 173 wins in 216 games, including six undefeated seasons, nine undefeated regular seasons, seven conference championships, and four national championships. And I understand this is a point in time where the forward pass was a trick play. But what he was able to do, both in his playing career for Army during World War I, and then also his military career and his football head coaching career, he deserves a highlight, even from some Georgia fans. Yeah, I guess. I just, I, don't get me wrong, I didn't want to, but. <laughs> I guess. You got to give him some love. Got to give only, him some love. The only good thing about him is, uh, is Army. Go Army, beat Navy. I, we'll leave it at that. But we're going to go ahead and close it out for this episode. I know it's a long one. Um, 
But we, I mean, we give you guys the best content we can. That's why we bring all these people on to get some insight into the programs. Um, but as always, follow our Instagram at nothing.finer.pod. Our Twitter is at finerpod. The Facebook group, just search Nothing Finer Podcast. Um, this is coming out in November. So we will have a second ASW giveaway coming out. We will put it out as soon as we get the details. By this time, the winner will be announced, and I know I keep saying it. If you enter the giveaway, the cooler stuff we're going to be able to do later down the road. So, please go follow our social medias. The cooler stuff that we're able to do, the more followers we have. Share the show. If you rate, review the show, we'll send you a sticker and a handwritten note. If you share the show and they subscribe to it, and if they continue to listen, we'll try and do something cool for that, too. We hadn't necessarily figured all those details out yet. Um, but, Wes, do you have anything else? Yeah. You have all the other people sharing stickers. I want one. Look, we're about to place another order for stickers. <laughs> and as soon as we get those, I will send you your stuff. I got you a cup. I got you a sticker, I got you a koozie, and I got you a polo. Fuck yeah. What more do you want from me? I want your love and affection. You've got it. You just don't love me. That's why you won't move to Georgia. <laughs> I'm trying. All right, guys. <laughs> um, last thing I'm going to say before we close it out is go dogs, fuck the Vols. And always remember, there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Kaylee Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia 